Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's going on, everyone? Alex Gutierrez here with another Knicks episode for the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. And oh my God, we just saw the Knicks defeat, beat the shit out of the Boston Celtics today. What a great victory. But we got to talk about the bad that we also saw this week, too. And to help us out, we brought Ari from Knicks Fan TV to help John and I discuss what we saw this week from the good, the bad, a lot of bad. And we got to talk about some of these player controversies, especially with Alfred Payton Emmanuel quickly. Man, we... We got to see IQ starting at some point. Um, is Tibbs going to do it? Who the hell knows? It, 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 but it definitely needs to happen at some point because when you see it, the offense is just clicking. And then, John, what do we got for et cetera today? What's up, Alex? For et cetera today, we're going to have to discuss that crazy trade, that blockbuster trade, and the remnants of that, even though it has to do with the other New York team. I'm sorry. We do have to discuss it. And we'll also talk about uh, the games coming out tonight the day this podcast comes out, uh, Thunder Nuggets and Pelicans Jazz. Awesome, awesome. All right, Rice, you know what to do. Let's kick it. Here with another Knicks episode of the Knicks Jets etc. podcast, and with me is always my buddy, my co-host, my pal, the man with the plan, the dude who's going to infiltrate MSG, MSG right now and talk to Tom Thibodeau to tell him to start Emmanuel quickly over at Alfred Payton and his bum ass. John, <laughs> what's going on today, bro? What's up, Alex? Yo, Sunday opposite day is is in effect real, real hard today. Quickly showed up showed up for us, so it's a good day, man. It's a really good day. How are you, dude? Yeah, I'm good, man. There's nothing better than seeing a. Uh, a Knicks win here in Boston. I wish I could have been at this game. I usually go to every oh. game since I live out here. And today was one of those days that, you know, I would have loved to be at TD Garden and just see all the Celtics fans just just miserable after that loss because I was there last year when we saw that Jason Tatum uh, baseline jumper to seal the game after a Mook major shot oh, from Mook last that year. Hurt. It, it, that it hurt. Was, it was a dagger, man. And you just, <laughs> yeah. Like when Mook hit it last year, you just heard, you just felt it, man. You just felt the arena just deflate because you're like, I just want to get that feeling. It's very rare to get that feeling out here. Um, yeah, I'm happy Tatum was out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank, oh, <laughs> this, this would have been a different game if, if Tatum yeah. was in here. But, John, to discuss what we've had this entire week with the Knicks, we brought on Knicks Fan TV's moderator, frequent caller, Ari. We got Ari in the building. Ari, my man, what's good, bro? What's going on, guys? Thank you for having me, Alex. Uh, thank you for having me, John. I've been trying to get on the show for a while. Um, always love to talk Knicks. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, I'm excited to be here and, uh, let's get it, let's get it started. 
All right. Well, we're happy to have you, Ari. You know, I love your commentary when it, when it comes to Knicks fan TV and just hearing what you got to say. <laughs> you love to keep it 100, man. That's what I got to say. I don't always agree with everything you say, but I love the the energy, the, the your beliefs and the conviction of what you're saying. I appreciate it, man. 100%. Got to let you know. Thank um, you. Thank you. But it's it's actually funny, man, because I got to I got to give a little backstory because before I started getting into sports writing, uh, you know, I was looking for all these Knicks podcasts, Knicks shows to listen to when I started out blogging and stuff. And when I heard you on Knicks fan TV, I was like, is this the same Ari that I used to play pickup ball with that like <laughs> actually like that like actually was like giving me recommendations for like law school and stuff like because I remember just being in the gym with you just playing pickup and I would, like ask you questions about law school. So, man. I was just blown away. I was like, yo, I know this dude. And that's why I texted him. I was like, dude, was that you on Knicks Fan TV? And I like, you were like, yeah, man, moderator, helping like facilitate calls and stuff, the chat. I was like, all right, all right. Sweet. This is what's up, man. This is what's up. So I, I got I just gotta say, man, it's awesome uh to to have you on the pod knowing like because I knew you were a Knicks fan. I didn't know how big of a Knicks fan you are. So it's awesome to hear that you're such a big Knicks fan. Yeah. I'm surprised we didn't talk uh each other's ears off during uh ball when we used to play together. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That was a long time ago, but um, diehard Knicks fan. I mean, I've been a Knicks fan since the earliest memories of my life. My dad had season tickets when I was, um, you know, born, I guess. Um, so the earliest memories of my childhood were going to Knicks games with my dad. This was like the Ewing Starks Oakley Knicks. Um, and, you know, I just loved the energy in the building. My dad had season tickets. And, um, you know, when you're a kid, you know, when you're – when you're a kid and you're in elementary school and you're like a young guy, um, all that matters is sports, right? And no one cares about money, no girls, nothing. All I care about is sports. So my day was a good day if the Knicks won, and it was a bad day if the Knicks lost. And um, because it was the 90s Knicks, it was more good days than bad. But uh, I definitely had my heartbreaking moments with, uh, you know, the Ewing finger roll and the Reggie Miller game and... You know, Michael Jordan just overall. But, um, yeah, man, diehard Knicks fan. Love talking ball. Love playing ball. And, um, yeah, I mean, Knicks is is everything for me in sports, you know. So um, that's pretty much it. Nice, man. I can feel that same sentiment. All right, all right. That's really interesting, man, because I feel like now I'm in middle school because I still live my days based on (laughs) <laughs> how the Knicks do. <laughs> the Knicks lo- <laughs> it's, just, it's just opposite, though. <laughs> it's just opposite, man. It's, it's way more bad days than it is the good days. But I feel, I feel like I'm in middle school then because my, my day today is way different than how I felt the last week. And I'm pretty sure that has everything to do with the Knicks win today. Right, right. Don't get me wrong. It still affects my day. It just, I'm not going to, like, throw a temper tantrum and cry and, like, not go to school the next day. If the Knicks lose, I used to do that back in the day when they lost in game seven to, um, Hakeem Olajuwon. Um, I remember like, I guess I I just remember like telling my mom, I'm not, I'm not going to camp. I'm not going to school. I'm not doing anything. And like, I refused (laughs) to do it. I just didn't do it. And like, I didn't go to school or for camp or anything. And that was the end of it. So, um, you know, I've softened up over the years, but it still affects me. Just not, not the same, you know? Well, we hear that passion from you, man, when you're on Knicks Fan TV. We hear it, especially when you got the beast with, like, Surge, CP, oh, okay. artist. We, we, hear, we hear it, man. We hear, we, we hear the passion. We love the passion. That's what we are. We're, we're diehard Knicks fans. We love the passion, man. We want this team to be good, and we've seen it suck for so long. And speaking, exactly. about, suck, and speaking about sucking, man, uh, we saw some bad basketball from the New York Knicks this past week. 
even the terrible skid they had once we played the Thunder and couldn't score over 90 points, those that three game span. Uh, tell tell start it off, man. What, what did you? What, what was your thought process about uh, the Knicks this week? What, what's going on in your head? So, um, what's going on? All right. So basically, you know, we started off that hot start, five and three, right? At that moment, we started getting like national shine, like ESPN, you know, The Ringer, you know, everyone, you know, Knicks fan TV was getting four thousand live viewers when they usually get like a thousand it was everything was blowing up and what i think personally happened i think a big part of it is the fact that you know they weren't sneaking up on teams you know the teams after the five and three start were very like now they know like this is not the the knicks of old right you know usually teams come into madison square garden and think it's like a guaranteed win i think i think getting that five and three start put teams on notice like okay this is like a real team Let's, um, you know, let's, 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 let's take them very seriously and, um, you know, play hard. I think that was a factor of it also. Um, another thing I think was a, is a big factor is just Tibbs' rotation and his minutes. You know, Julius Randle looked pretty, pretty exhausted, um, most of this week. Um, you know, he's shouldering a lot of the burden. Um, RJ Barrett also, he's a little younger than Julius Randle, so maybe he could handle it better, but, um, his, his jump shot's not going in really. So, uh, you know, maybe his knees are tired. I don't know. But, um, you know, I think, I think that, that, you know, the, the, the minutes, um, and, um, you know, just again with the rotations, you know, I'm sure we're going to get into it. Alfred Payton getting, you know, 30 minutes a game, um, not being able to shoot on the floor, um, is a problem, you know, in today's NBA, you know, at least three players on the court have to be able to shoot. Most of the really good teams have four guys who can shoot. Um, and when you have, you know, Mitch, RJ, and Alfred Payton on the floor, you know, your only shooters are Reggie Bullock, who was supposed to be a shooter, but, I mean, I guess he shot well today, but hasn't been shooting well, really. And Julius Randle's like, okay, but he's not a real shooter. And so it's like, of course, you know, in today's NBA, we're going to struggle offensively when we don't have enough shooting on the floor. Um, so I think it's a combination of all of that, you know, the minutes, not having enough shooting, um, and, you know, just people are aware that this Knicks team is, you know, once we got headlines, national headlines, I think teams started being like, all right, let's, let's, let's play serious. And I think it was a combination of all three. Well said, Ari. Well said. I, I agree with you on that. And I think the biggest things that you pointed out was definitely the minutes, you know, we were shorthanded this week. We don't have Burks. We don't have – well, we didn't have Bulk for a game or so. We don't have uh, – we didn't have Toppin at all for a while. And then, you know, I, I know your feelings about Frank. So we also didn't have Frank either, <laughs> regardless of how you think about him. We we were still shorthanded. Um, We've been missing him, just, man, honestly. Huh? We've been missing Frank. We could have been using him this last week, to be honest with uh, you. Over Bullock, absolutely. I, he plays better defense than Bullock. I'd rather see that and just let him try to shoot it, man, because it looks better this year. But They shoot about to, the same. To, honestly, they do at this point. <laughs> yeah. Just give me the younger guy who could play more uh, aggressive D. Um, I'm sick of Bullock. I know he did all right today, but I'm just sick of Bullock. I'm sick of Peyton. Uh, but I, I do agree with you, Ari, that you know Randall has to shoulder a lot of it, which is – when he's not going, the entire team can't go. Barrett, I think it's another thing. He's not – I know he got a heavy minutes beginning of last season under Fisdale, and I think it just might him be him being tired and him having like a limited game. A lot of people – like we were seeing him just shoot threes and take it to the rack, which wasn't really effective. When your game is so predictable, as you know, 
you can't get anything going because everyone's just prepared for what you're going to do. And they'd rather have him try to shoot the three because he's not that prolific of a three-point shooter yet than give him something easy in the paint. So they're just waiting for him. Now it seems like he's starting to get it going, just switching it up between the mid-range, taking it to the rack, shooting open threes, especially from the corner today. He looked pretty good. Um, so hopefully he's getting back into rhythm. But even when you were watching them play the Celtics today, you know, both teams looked slow. Like the Celtics were completely out of it, but the Knicks also looked slow. It was like they played defense well today, but I thought at the beginning of the season, they were playing with a lot of fire, moving quicker, like just being just so hard nosed, aggressive, like just aggressive. And even there's no transition. We don't really see transition. They're playing slow. They're playing the half court, which is not really their game. They should try to get on transition more. Uh, thankfully it worked today because the Celtics were just so out of it and there was no Jason Tatum. I think this game is completely different if they have their lethal shooter on that court. Um, but my God, uh, this yeah, also they're a little, they're a little discombobulated, like with Kemba coming back, like first game, it looked weird yeah, out there. They looked weird it, it, out there. It was weird, but it's so funny that you mentioned that because I'm listening to like before like starting this pod, I was listening to the post game for the Celtics. So like, we can't put the blame on Kemba coming back and just throwing off the whole balance. I'm like, yo, if you have not played with a guy for like weeks, it throws off the entire balance because now you have to try to gel again. What's is it to completely blame Kemba? Absolutely not. But to say that he wasn't part of an issue of just not gelling today, it's like when we had uh, who who was it? Who did we get back? Uh, I forget who we got back in the season. And, like, you could just see that. It was like, all right, we need to gel. I forget I forget who it was. Um, Austin Rivers. I, yeah, I was going to say yes, Austin thank Rivers. Yes, thank you. It was Austin Rivers. Yeah, Austin Rivers. Yeah, when we saw but, we uh, had Austin Rivers back, it was – we had to, like, gel over again. And it's going to happen for a game one. Honestly, I, like, honestly, I, it's not like a novel – that's not like a novel idea. One of – in addition to the Sunday opposite uh, bets that always uh, – with the underdogs, that's a big hit. A system play – uh, quote-unquote, um, is always when the other team comes back with a new star and injects somebody into the starting lineup that hasn't been there for a while. Uh, usually people are excited about that team. Uh, oh, look, Kemba Walker's coming back first game. They're going to be great. They always flop the first game back. Always flop. And the opposite, when the superstar is out that game, like um, whenever uh, a team is missing, like their number one star, the guy that's going to score all their points, like Harden, for example, for Houston, they always come out firing that first game back as sort of uh, right. to, to, to prove them uh, wrong. But just, I, I know I got a little sidetracked. I, I do want to hit on the, the two things that you guys are talking about. Uh, the first one is RJ, man. I know we had some G League RJ going on. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. Well, I, I, I could not yeah. I could not believe when I saw that video. There's, I'm not gonna talk. I'm not gonna say who it is because I know who it is, because um, they they are a caller on, on a certain program that Ari and I know about. Oh God! <laughs> and uh, they were saying G League, like he he didn't say it. One of his co-hosts said G League RJ. I was like, are you nuts? G League RJ. This kid just is going through a funk right now. Let this kid play, man. Just stop. Just stop with this nonsense. I hate when we start bringing up the G League like that's going to cure everything. It's like, first of all, if we said RJ down to the G League, that's not going to do anything for him. The competition is just like so different. It wouldn't even actually. It's not going to help him at all. So just get that out of your mind. This kid has to play through it at an NBA level. I don't want to hear that nonsense. It's the same thing with like people being out on OB Top and after like a like a game and a half, it's like serious. We're out on OB Top. Can we just get like halfway through the season? at least to even have like some sort of verdict of what he needs to work on or whatnot. Oh my God. It was just, go on, John. It was just so annoying. It was so. Yeah. Oh no, go ahead. Ari. you got, you got, you got some thoughts on G league RJ. Yeah. I mean, listen, you know, 
here's the thing. Like, I, first of all, I think it's ridiculous to even suggest that RJ go to the G League. I mean, the guys had games this year where he's, I mean, he, he's averaging like, I don't know, 17 plays. He's not a G League player. Even when he's missing shots, he still impacts winning. Um, you know, he, he, he plays, he plays pretty good defense. He competes on both ends of the floor. He's, um, you know, a decent passer. You know, he's not like a one trick pony. Um, you know, he, um, you know, he can make, he can make plays a little bit. Um, you know, he's a good rebounder for his size. He can switch one through three. You know, he's not a, there's anyone who's suggesting for him to go to the G League, just like, it's probably one of these analytics fanboys who just looks at like his, his crazy shooting, like bad shooting numbers and just says, I'll go to the G League. But I'm with Alex, you know, RJ's like, he's young, he's 20 years old. Um, this is his second year. Um, we got to give him time. I mean, we gave Frank like four years, right? And you guys still <laughs> like him. So I think we can, I think we've got some time for RJ. Um, and, you know, going to the G League is not going to help him because the rim is still 10 feet tall and, you know, he still has to be able to hit an open jump shot. So it's like, you know, I don't think it would help him at all. Um, I don't think confidence is an issue for him. Um, you know, you could say that it would ruin your confidence to go down to the G League, but it may be good for your confidence if you could, like, play well in the G League. I don't think that has anything to do with it. But, you know, he's the number three pick. You know, I, I think a lot of the problem with the Knicks fans is that, you know, and this is my problem with Frank. Well, this is, that's besides the thing. But, like, RJ is the third pick, right? So if he's not playing, like, third pick level, he's going to get a lot of heat, right? And that's why people are going to say, send them to the G League, send them to the G League. If, if RJ was picked in the second round, like Alonzo Trier was, and was playing exactly the same way as he is now, no one would be saying anything about RJ going to the G League, right? They would just be like, oh, what a steal we got in the second round. Let's hope his jumper hits, right? So it's all like, you know, comparative, right? Um, so I'm, I think the G League thing is talk is nonsense. Um, I think um, um, I think I, ha- I have seen development from RJ. His defense is a little bit better, and he's hitting his free throws. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's development. You know, so like I'm with Alex. Let's give it another half a year, a year. Let's 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 see if he develops. And you know, over time, if Jason Kidd and LeBron James and all these other guys like Brooke Lopez are all of a sudden shooting threes, if they could shoot, they could turn themselves into a decent shooter. I I, I don't think um, RJ is going to have a problem down the line. We just have to be patient. And if he does get a jump shot, look out, man, because that guy can get to the rim at will and he can play make a little bit and he plays defense. So I think a cautious wait and see approach with RJ. For sure. I agree. And, yo, he's hitting 72% of his free throws this season right now. So he's already like he's already shown some improvement. I don't see what the, the concern is. And he's averaging 16.6 points per game right now. You know, that slump didn't help him, but still. He was even averaging like, I would say like 15 points, even when he was shooting on a bad night. So that's 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 good because once he's really clicking, like you said, Ari, just watch out for this kid. Watch out. Exactly. And, and, and to add on to the whole G League talk, and then we can and, and we can move on from here. Like, we've had Trey Burke go off in the G League. RJ would definitely go off in the G League, and what does that mean? Like, it just it doesn't mean anything. So like, it's not going to help him. He's just going to be able to dominate lesser competition you only go down to the g league if you're working on two things one your actual physical ability to play basketball at a higher level or two you're working on the mental aspect of the game he doesn't need either one so there's no reason for him to go down to the g league but since you mentioned our boy 
Alonzo Trier. Thank God he's back. I, like, I know he's in the G League, but that's a guy that because Ari's on, Ari and I are on the same train. I think Ari is the president of the Alonzo Trier fan club. And Ari and I could probably go on and on about Alonzo Trier and how he didn't get a fair shake, but just happy he's uh, back in the G League to prove himself. <laughs> preaching to the choir. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not on the, I'm too hyped on the Trier train. I, I like him as an offensive player, but his defense is really tough. Uh, and he's a ball hog, but that's not that. that, that, that that's for a different day. Um, I, I do agree with you guys on RJ. Just for like the G League aspect, obviously we have to give him time. I do hope he lives in the mid range. I think if he live, if he could live in the mid range, like kind of DeRozan. DeRozan lives in the mid range, man. You know what I mean? And he could pop his threes uh, generally, but if he he can he can be that player for me. But I'm gonna have to be honest about one thing. I think. I'm okay officially with trading RJ for a superstar. Like, like up until, honestly, up until before the season started, there was no chance. Like, once you say RJ for anybody, I'm one of those crazy people that are like, no way, no chance. Like, RJ staying. But, like, at this point, I feel like we've, like, his ceiling is going down a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, his overall ceiling has definitely diminished in my eyes. So... As much as I love RJ, I'm not giving up on him. I do think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to live in the mid-range. I think he could still be DeRozan, honestly. I'm not going to be opposed to trading him for Ben Simmons or some sort of player that could, you know, a, a point guard skills position that could actually change our team. So I, I don't know where you guys stand on that, but, like, that's kind of my um, my pullback on that. Like, yes, of course, no G League. Yes, of course, he's not. Maybe he's not going to be an All Star this year. But like, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle where it's like, okay, he's expendable at this point. Yeah, I guess my thing with that is like, why are we even thinking about trading for a superstar? Like, if we trade for a superstar, we're going to need more than just that superstar and Julius Randle to make this team competitive. And you're trading for a superstar. It's not just going to be RJ. It's going to be some draft picks. It's going to be some other players. So I'm not even thinking about trading for a, a player right now, unless the the right the right price comes. I know you're all in on Ben Simmons, John. I know that's the guy that you're uh, you're looking out for. That's just how I feel. Ari, what is, what's your opinion on the matter? I think I, I 100% agree with you, Alex. I was actually saying this on Knicks 10 TV, um, you know, a couple of days ago. I mean, listen, man, Brooklyn just got James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. You got LeBron James in AD. Like, what are you going to do? Sell the farm to get Bradley Beal and pair him with Julius Randle and then, be a seven seed and get swept. It's like, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, with regards to what John was saying, um, you know, I, I you know, I, I could kind of, I could kind of agree with him. You know, here's the thing with RJ. I, I think he's going to he's, I think he's going to be a really good player, but I think you're, if you're talking perennial superstar, he's going to have to really learn how to shoot the ball better to be a perennial superstar. Right. So, you know, we were hoping when we drafted him, like, this is going to be our cornerstone franchise piece. So I agree with John. I don't think we, he, he's earned that level yet. But at the same time, trading anybody for a win-now move to get an all-star is just, um, like, we might as well just sign Jimmy Butler and Vucevic in the summer of, like, two years ago or whatever, and he's gotten the same thing, you know what I mean? So, you know. It's a little short-sighted. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But um, I, I, well, I'm sure we'll get into it, but I'll make trades for future draft picks. You know, I would trade Julius Randle. That's what I would do. Um, 
So yeah, perfect, uh, perfect. Like uh, it's, it's a good transition because I do want to talk about Julius Randle and uh, the the big men. So Julius Randle, like as you guys mentioned earlier. He has been shouldering a lot, man. We ask him to do so much, and and we get mad at him when he does so much. But if he doesn't bring up the ball at, at some point, and if and if we're not isoing him like Mello, uh, shout out to Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Campbell. If, if we're not, if we're not actually like posting him up like iso Mello on the side, we honestly might not put up a basket for like four or five minutes. You know, spurts in the game. So. I want to know how you guys feel about Randall kind of – because like we're, as a collective, I would say, down on him, you know, generally. And he's super surprising. He has numbers better than AD right now. Of course, that's because somebody has to get the stats on the Knicks. And so that just happens to be him, right? So it's a little inflated. But how do you guys feel about him? Like, are we still trying to trade him? Uh, like, if Julius Randall's not on this team, we, I, we might have one win. So I'll let Ari start off because Ari's uh, been leading the – the uh, trade Randall train, especially on a uh, Knicks fan TV. So Ari, right, take it away. Yeah, sure. So, um, listen, every, everybody in the NBA besides LeBron James and maybe like Luca Doncic is tradable. So like this whole talk, like there's someone untouchable, like that's, that's ridiculous. Now with Julius Randall, this is the deal. This is what I think. So basically, you know, you're in two Camps. You're either in win now mode, like the Brooklyn Nets, where they just traded the farm and everything to get James Harden to win now, or you're in a rebuild where you're trying to build towards a championship contending team. Now that's the key, a championship contending team. I'm not trying to rebuild to be, you know, a five seed in the East and then losing the second round. Let's say like, you know, so, you know, Again, I was very low on Julius Randle last year. I thought he was awful. I cannot believe what I see right now from this guy. He's playing really well. Um, even if he turns the ball over, no matter, even if he has an off night, he's been playing so well this year that it's kind of like shocking to me. Um, and I agree. If we didn't have him on the team, we might have one win. But, you know, what do rebuilding teams do? They trade their assets just the way Oklahoma City traded Chris Paul last year, right? You know, they wanted to build a winning culture. They made the playoffs. They were doing really well. They almost beat the Rockets, and they still traded Chris Paul because he won. Sam Presti wanted draft picks, right? So with Julius Randle, I would definitely, definitely trade him. Now, the issue here is that he has a one-year team option, right, for $16 million, I think. So we could pick up the option and not break the bank and run it back with him. Now, the problem with that is – you know, if you trade him this year, the team is going to have the team that he goes to will have the team option to have him for another year. So they'll basically have him for two years, a run of this year, and then next year they'll have him on a, the way he's playing right now. Sixteen million is a, is, a, is, a, is a good deal for the team. So you'd be able to get a lot more more value if you trade him now as opposed to picking up his option and then trying to trade him at the deadline next year, right? So with James Harden going to the Nets. Philly, Boston, Indiana, Miami, they need to make moves, man. Um, they need to make moves, and the stakes just got higher. So I think, you know, the Knicks should really look to try to trade him. My, like, my asking price is two first-round picks or a young player and a first-round pick for him because he's playing so well. And, um, you know, that, that, that's what I would do. It will give Obi Toppin more time to, you know, show what he has. He could, as Fisdale would say, take his lumps, you know, early on right now, um, you know, and, you know, 
it'll give more time for our players to develop. And what will end up happening is we'll probably be losing more games, which, you know, no one wants to lose. But let's be honest, man, we'll probably get a better draft pick if we keep on losing. So, you know, I would definitely trade him. I'll try to trade him for two first-round draft picks, start a bidding war with, you know, Philly and Boston or something, or maybe get Denver into the mix or anyone trying to compete and, um, you know, rebuild. So that's what I would do. Ari, I, I, I agree with you 100% with, you know, how you got to manage your assets. I'm a little hesitant to trade Julius Randle as of right now because I think one thing that, you know, even what Ashley says on uh, on Next Man TV is that you got to think about, um, you know, the culture that you have, the winning aspect, and cr- trying to create that winning culture. So I agree with that aspect. However, I do agree with you on if he's going to – and I think he actually can – get you two draft picks because at this like the way he's playing if he's playing at at an all-star level and you're trying to compete as you said with the Brooklyn Nets and you think this is like your window now to win like if you are the Miami Heat and you got to win now and this is your chance to do it and you have a guy who's going to be a cheap asset for you for the next two years right to compete now and the following year yeah, I think it can get you two draft picks. I don't think that's too crazy. Maybe it's not too like unprotected first rounders, but your second one that you get is going to be a protected maybe top ten something along those years, and then until right. it goes down the road, until it becomes unprotected, right? I think you can get two draft. I think you can get two first rounds for this guy. I don't think it's uh, out of this world. I mean, if we got a fir- if we got one for Marcus Morris, right? We got one like a late round first for Marcus Morris. As a one-year rental, too. As, as a one-year one, rental. As a one-year rental. If you're telling me you get this guy for two years, right, I think he can get you two first-rounders. One of them definitely being a top-ten protected, though. That's, that's what I think. You'll, you can get one unprotected. I feel like maybe it'll be a higher protected, maybe a top-three protected, but you can definitely get two first-rounders. I don't think it's totally out of the realm to get You just create a bidding war, as you said. Like, Philly's got to make some moves. I don't – you know, they have shooters. Ben Simmons – is essentially, it's just a glorified power forward who just plays in the paint. Um, whoa, hey, whoa. we're hey. not doing Ben Simmons slander right now because if they <laughs> call me and tell me Julius Randle and RJ Barrett for Ben Simmons, I am literally not letting happen. that phone hang up. I'm literally, it's not hanging up. Like, you want a first round pick with that too? No problem. You want, like, oh, would, so yeah, I can't handle it. Would never I cannot happen. handle, don't I cannot handle would, Ben that Simmons. Would never happen. That would okay. never happen. Never no problem. Happen. No problem. So don't worry. Don't worry about it. But but I do I, I do agree I do agree with one thing though that you guys are talking about um, draft picks are are being as much as draft picks are being overvalued in the NFL they're being undervalued in the NBA as we saw like with this James Harden trade which we're gonna get into in the et cetera portion later like four four draft picks and four pick swaps like you are you are. You are, like, laughing at the sight of draft picks. You know what I mean? You are completely undervaluing them, like, just throwing them out as any type of asset. So, I do agree. I think we, I think we do can get first round, two first-round picks for somebody playing at Anthony Davis level, especially if you find a team like the Clippers looking for a sort of Mook Morris, a power forward scorer that, that is going to put them over the hump in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, he would be perfect on, like, a, a lot of teams. Philly is one of them, but uh, you know what I mean. Like he would be perfect with Embiid, in my opinion. Honestly, like look at what the, look at what Drew Holiday draw, drew. Exactly. Right? It's like if, the, if that's what Drew Holiday's getting. Come on now, like, and I think that that trade alone really set off the market, where it's like really worth. Where this is how much Drew Holiday. Like I love Drew Holiday. You know, I wish like we got him when they were when they moved him from Philly. I wish he came to the Knicks. But just honestly, like that that trade alone should just give you an idea of. 
GMs think about draft picks. It's If it's all about the win now and just trying to appease the stars so they don't leave and do whatever, you're going to make any move you want. Um so, so I agree. I think, and I think that if we get uh, if we get that call for two first rounders, like you can't say no to that. We're not like we're like in all in reality. Where are we going for the next couple of years? Like in the next two years at least, especially with Brooklyn, right? You got two years. You got this year. Next year with Brooklyn, then they can opt out, which they probably will all do. Is they'll opt out of their contract. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, they'll do the same thing. Kawhi could opt out. Uh, Was it? He got three years, but I forget when he can opt out. Uh, like I think it was three. I think it was like three, two year, th- two years and one year guarantee. So he could opt out this year if he really wanted to. Um, so these guys, like you could, you could make moves. These guys are like trying to get a win now situation, you know. And, and speaking about winning now, uh, well, uh, well, we'll we'll save for we'll save quickly for last. Let's talk about let's talk about Mitch for a second, you know, because Mitch yeah, we got the fatigue. Tired. Yo, fatigue Yo, is setting in. You're talking about Randall, bro. dude. I feel like he's like lost a leg. He loses a leg every like third quarter. Like something is dude. so off. Dude, that is that is abysmal. Oh, let's hold on. Before we before we move on to Mitch, Ari, is there anything else that you want to talk about? Yeah, yeah. Real quick. Real quick. So like Yeah, I mean listen, I agree with everything that we just said about the Randall thing. Um here's the thing, man. It's like, yeah, I mean, you know, Ashley will say, you know, you wanna keep a winning culture, and it is important, you know what I mean? But even with Randall, it's not like we have a winning culture. We're still under 500 with Randall on the team. So that's number one. And number two, I'm a firm believer that it just takes one, one player to change the culture of your franchise, right? Now, the question is, how do you get that player, right? You know, Dallas drafted Dirk Nowitzki, and then right when he retires, they draft Luka Doncic, right? You know, the Nets got you know, Kevin Durant in free agency, you know what I mean? It, but, you know, I feel like a lot of it is overrated about team culture, right? Like there's only one San Antonio Spurs in the NBA, one New England Patriots where the team culture kind of, and maybe Miami, the heat with, with Pat Riley and the conditioning where the, that is, takes over. Usually it's the play, like the players, like Oklahoma city had once they traded Russell Westbrook and, um, Paul George, they didn't have a culture, like, you know what I mean? Until CP3 got there and held everyone accountable and he set the culture. So I'm more concerned about putting ourselves in the best position to get a player who will be able to set the culture for us. That's why I wanted CP3 to come. I wanted the Knicks to trade for him. I guess we didn't have enough, but you know, that's the thing, right? And you know, you do that through the draft, you know, and, um, through trades and uh you know that's why i would trade julius randall um i think it's a no-brainer and um you know people don't like losing but no one like, i don't like losing no one likes losing but you got to look at the big picture man we're trying to win a championship we're not trying to make the playoffs if we were trying to make the playoffs we'll just trade everybody for bradley beal put him with julius randall and be a seven seed but we have to get that game-changing player and you know, with the free agency, like everybody pretty much signed or re-upped. We're not going to get anyone this free agency. So we might as well punt for free agency, get some draft picks, and try to get, you know, a really good player in the draft and um, see some development. And, um, you know, then then broach the subject next year. Yeah, no, I agree, I man. Dis- yeah, I agree. I don't disagree with anything along those lines. 
Um, and and Randall, he, Randall. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Alex. No, I was going to say, and he makes and Ari makes a really good point about culture, right? Like, if I think if we're going to talk about basketball, Spurs, Heat, and I'd I'd throw in the Warriors for a little bit because of what Steph and Kerr bring to that team. But other than that, what other team do we really like? Say, and I guess maybe Boston too, right? Let's let's throw them in there and, and Toronto. So outside of those teams, right? Where else are we even saying this? I, we don't talk about culture for Milwaukee Bucks, right? It's just Giannis is really great, and everyone wants to go play with Giannis uh, since he's there right now. And you know they mortgage a lot of the future to win right now, but it doesn't look like he's necessarily happy out there from all the moves that they made. You know, as I already said, Dallas got lucky getting Luca. Um, I blame the Hawks for just doing that. They don't like that they just helped them out in that manner. Um, but Ari makes a solid point. Like most of these teams don't have that quote unquote culture that you want. You know, you want to build that culture, right. Of winning and all that type of stuff. And it starts at the ground level when you have these young players, if you're in the same position as Brooklyn was with D and Jared Allen and Joe Harris and even where we are. So, you know, the thing about Randall, it's like, so where they so young, like he's only 26. Right. But the, the thing is like, we're not doing anything with him for the next couple of years anyway. You know, we don't have the shooting. We don't really have, we don't have that depth of talent to really be a serious, like even contender where you're just like, all right, we could trade some of these guys and bring someone in and then really compete with, compete with like Brooklyn or LA. And we're not even close to that. We're so far away from there, but yeah, I, I, I agree with what everyone said. But let's move on yeah, to the yeah yeah and and just just a, just a last note on that Julius Randle his highest um his his highest value right now is his highest trade value is right now so maybe we're not showcasing him maybe it's out of desperation and he is you know inflating his stats but the his trade value from last year to what are we a, a dozen games in right now has significantly changed. So on that point, I do agree. Like if you if you're gonna get rid of Randall, get rid of him now. What his value is at his highest. Get a couple of draft picks and let's move on. I agree with I agree with Ari and you, Alex. Sweet. All right. So let's move on to the next topic since we all agree on that. Let's talk about Mitch. All right. We alluded to it. Mitch is like fatigued. Two games back to back, he's gotten hurt. He's like limping on one leg. I was impressed that he even made a dunk on one leg in the second half of this game. Playing Mitch is just taking another level. You know, I have a piece that's about – I'm finishing up a piece that's going to come out soon about Mitch's improvements and talk about his strengths. But, my God, Mitch is really taking, like, another level uh, on how he's playing this season. But he is tired, bro. He is tired. Like, we were – it's funny that, like, the concern was, like, fouls. And he's been staying in games for, like, 38 minutes. <laughs> I know. We like, kind of need him to get fouls now. I know. It's like, bro, can you uh, – you can start fouling now, man. You, you got, like, two, three fouls. Let's rack those things up. Get get your whole break, my guy. <laughs> I, I agree, but let me let me throw it up to you and Ari about this because you guys were just talking about culture, and I agree to a certain extent. A one player could change the culture. It's usually a point guard, but I digress. Uh, I do think that the culture of the Knicks right now is like this quote unquote grit, quote unquote to stay on the court and to buy into tips and. That is the culture, and if you're going to come to the Knicks, you have to buy into that. And I think Mitch is buying into it, and that's what he's showing the coach. So even if like playing these two games maybe not great for him, maybe he's going to end up sitting out. He sh- if he's showing us, you know, us three watching the game, you know, his you know his um, I guess dedication, 
And especially when we were talking about him not loving the game last year, right? Like, he, because he was a second-round pick, and, he, you know, he was off of basketball for a little. So we're always questioning these things, right? Does he get the game, all these fouls in the first quarter, et cetera, et cetera. And now he's staying on the court with a broken leg. It looks like right? his like, leg is falling off. So I do think that's the culture, and I do think he's buying in. And I do think he sees Noel on the, <laughs> next to him on the bench. You know what I mean? And he knows that if he is out for five, six games and Noel is putting up defensive numbers and he's putting down the rebounds. Like he had that really good game, you know, the other day, Noel, like mm-hmm. he, he sees that he's on a one year deal. They're both kind of on contract years. Like, you know, he has to, he has to see him, you know, in his rear view mirror. All right. What do you, what do you feel about this? Listen, man, I, I, I love Mitch. Um, I think he's a very unique talent. Um, you know, He's some of the things this guy does on the basketball court. It's just it's hard for me to like kind of understand. He's so athletic. Um, he's such a great rim protector. Uh, he's a great like um, lob guy, the god from lob. Um, the thing I think really makes him special is he can mo- he he can move his feet well enough on the perimeter where he could he, he could kind of guard the perimeter a little bit, which you know in the playoffs last six minutes of the game when they're trying to like pick apart, you know, they try to pick apart your team and go after your weak spots. Mm-hmm. You know, when they do that one five pick and roll and then there's Mitch's on Steph Curry or something or Kyrie Irving, like he could listen, he, I'm not saying you guard him, but he could make it a little difficult on him. Sure. Um, so, you know, I think um, I would love to see him shoot a little bit, you know, like a nice 10 foot, you know, pick and pop um, just to keep the defense honest. Um, but I'm with Alex, man. He looks really tired. Um, you know, another thing I think we have to understand also is that these kids are young. They're very young. And also, this is not like a North. This is COVID year, man. Like, these guys can't go out. They, they don't like, you know, Mitch is from New Orleans. He's in a big city by himself. He's like quarantining in his room, um, you know, without his family and stuff. It's like, you know, I can see him, you know, you know, being mentally in and out of like, my concern with Mitch is the mental aspect of, the, of, of things, not his physical talent and um, his work ethic. You know, from all intents and purposes, it looks like he works pretty hard. Um, but, you know, I, I, listen, Mitch is, Mitch is, I love Mitch. I, I think we should do everything in our power to keep him, but at a reasonable price. I know he's, when's his contract though? His contract's coming up, right? Yeah, I think it's the end of 2021. His contract's up. Uh, so that's the end of this. Is so it, after is, this is, year, is it this year? Actually, hold on one second. Let me, it's either this year or I think it's actually next year. Sorry, I think it's the end of twenty twenty two. Yeah, but I believe you'll be restricted. I believe you'll be restricted. If he's going to be restricted, um, you oh, know, no, he's team, not. No, he's going to be. He's going to be unrestricted free agent in twenty twenty two. Okay, so we don't have to worry about that. We, we'll give him more time to develop to see what happens. But yeah, I mean, listen. There's no denying his impact on defense, you know, on a Tibbs coach team. He's very important um, on that. And listen, you know, the thing about Mitch is when they run that pick and roll and he goes to the basket, the defense just collapse on Mitch because they know no one can shoot on the Knicks. You know, put put some shooters around Mitch. Oh my God. And then all of a sudden the guy's going to be dunking. It's going to be like DeAndre Jordan on the Clippers. It's going to be insane. So um, I'm, high, I'm still high on Mitch. Um and uh, but I would like to see him try to expand his offensive game a little bit. That's it. I I agree with you, Ari, on expanding the offensive game. I'm actually not necessarily worried about his uh, 
his work ethic. I think we've seen just this season alone how much, you know, he was fouling between the first two seasons. He's fouled out 15 times. Um, now he's not even fouling out. He's not even close to fouling out. He's maintained, like he's keeping a base. I think he works hard. I think he is a hard work. I, I, my concern with him right now is just, he looks fatigued. And I think it's to what John's saying to create this like grit culture where it's like you play, like if you can play, you're going to play. And if you're hurt, like you got, you, you got to give up yourself for the team, which I love that aspect. But at the same time, it's two games back to back. Like he was, he was a key aspect. You know, I got into a conversation with someone on Twitter saying, uh, you know, I, I saw him. I was like, maybe we should take him out because he's hurt two games back to back. You don't want his body start compensating for all these injuries. And then something worse happens. And someone says, you know, uh, that, and I made a reference saying that he's, he impacts winning, which is why Tibbs would want him in there. And someone's like, well, you can argue that Burks, uh, and even like, uh, who else? I forget who else would make an impact, uh, to winning on this team. I said, yeah, I think it was Frank. And I'm like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but like Mitch makes the biggest impact defensively being a rim protector. When he was out the entire fourth quarter against either the Thunder or uh, Toronto, we saw that everyone just went to just attack, just feasted in the paint. We couldn't stop anybody. When he's out there, you don't want to get into the paint because, as we saw today, what he did to uh, Marcus Smart, he will block the living daylights out of you. Yeah, um, I think I think when he was out, that was like that minus twenty five game for Noel. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, he, he makes the big like you could like we've won without Burks and without Frank. Like I can't. I will say I will give credence that you know Frank Stephen could impact could definitely impact Burks' shooting could impact. But if we're going to talk about who's needed to win, you got to talk. Mitch is by far like, and and I can see t- why Tibbs would want him out there because if he's not out there, for as good as Noel played those last couple of games. He can't catch. Like, his hands, by far, are bricks. It's like watching, like, clamps just trying to catch a ball. Um, defensively, like, it's good to swat, the, swat away. And, like, he's a decent rebounder and stuff. Like, he, there is, like, some presence. But Noel is not, at this point, like, I think he's still trying to get into condition what we were talking about with Schwinn last week. But he's not the guy I want to lean on right now. Mitch is definitely the guy who's showing that we can lean on him. And Mitch has more of a body than him. Like, he's still filling out as mm-hmm. a man. Like, he, he's mm-hmm. still growing. I can't wait yeah. to see what he looks like when he's, like, 27 years old. Yeah. I mean, th- th- that, that same idea is for Obi with me. I can't wait till oh, – and yeah. RJ, honestly. I can't wait till uh, they grow uh, a little bit. But, um, yeah, dude, I, I don't think Mitchell's going to play tomorrow. Like, we have, we have a game on Martin Luther King Day. Um, it's the day before uh, this podcast comes out. I don't know if he's gonna play, dude. Like, I, I think they actually might sit him out uh, due to fatigue slash injury, just because. Um, I mean, hindsight, hindsight's not twenty twenty. Like, I think this twenty twenty vision right now. Like, dude, we don't need to kill Mitchell Robinson. Like, we can he could sit out a game and we'll see how it is, and we're gonna see life without him. Um, to go back to Ari's point with uh, shooters. I do think Alec Burks makes a difference, man. I know you kind of just like kind of put him under Alex. I kind of like buried him a little bit, which is fair. It's fair. Alec Burks is Alec Burks. I get it. But yo, he when he's on the court, our team literally looks different. I don't know if it's 100%. because everyone gets on the knows where to stand when he's on the court. I don't know if it's because he controls the efficiency. I don't know if it's because he can shoot. But <laughs> some reason, like those things just all come together when he's standing on the floor. <laughs> he doesn't even need to hold the ball sometimes. So I'm, I I do think this. This team is obviously going to be significantly different if Mitch is not in the court, but at the same time, it would be significantly different in a positive way if and when Burks gets back on the on the court. It, it, Burks will make a positive impact 
without a doubt. I'm not saying they, I'm just saying if we're going to talk about I there's three there's three players I talked about. It was Frank, Burks, Mitch. If we're going to talk about who impacts winning the most, it's by far Mitch. Like head over heel. There, there's not absolutely. even a question. Not absolutely. a question. Okay, that's yeah, all yeah. I'm saying. That's all. Yeah, I'm absolutely, saying. absolutely. What's up, Ari? Yeah, I think um, I think Alec Burks on this team is very important because we don't have any shooting. We don't have anyone who can really create his own shot. I guess Randall could do it a little bit. Austin Rivers a little bit, but like on this team, Alec Burks is very, very big. Um, so. You know, and also that means less Reggie Bullock, which is always a win. So, um, so you know, I, I can't wait for Alec Burks to get back. I also would be on the lookout for Alec Burks as a potential um, trade deadline um, sale because he could ball and he's on a very friend, team-friendly contract. Um, so I'd be on the lookout for that. And then with Frank, listen, I mean, Alex knows my take on Frank. I think Frank is good. I think Frank is good in, like, spot minutes. When you need a defensive stop or when someone's cooking us, like, you know, put them on Trey Young or something like that. But, like, um, you know, I don't think his impact is on the same level as Burks or Mitchell Robinson, but I'm with you guys, Mitchell Robinson. Just his impact on defense alone, like, he's got a big, he's got a very big impact on winning. So I'm with you guys. For sure, for sure. And let's talk about, let's get to the, let's get to the, let's get to the real topic right here. We'll, we'll discuss a little bit offline. The real impact to winning right now because it sure as hell ain't Alfred Payton and Reggie Bullock. I really get, I'm getting tired of Reggie Bullock in all honesty. Um, there is a. He had a pretty quick, decent game today. He had a pretty decent he, game today. I will give him the credit. He had a decent game. I am tired of Reggie Bullock, man. I was over him. What was it? What game? It was, it was against uh, the Cavs where he just drives it. Two times. Two times. <laughs> no, that was two a tough times, ass break. That two times in the fourth quarter, he blunders it, man. It's he gets out of ball, he gets out of bounds, throws the like throws the ball at the back of the hoop, almost throws a game against the Pacers, and now against the Cavs, like he just drives into the paint, stops. Number one thing you don't do as a guard or as a wing, whatever you want to call him, stop in the paint, and you're just like pinned. You can't do anything. Like granted, you could say people weren't running with them and whatnot. You don't run into the paint and just stop. The hell is this? It's like it's basketball one on one. I'm 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 on it. Like he That's makes a frank so many move. blunders. That's such he a frank so, move. <laughs> he makes so many blunders in the fourth quarter at this point. I'm just tired of it, man. And he's a vet. That's the biggest issue. He's a vet. And I, I you're 28 years old. You've been in the league for a while, man. Like you can't be making plays like this. This is ridiculous. Um. All right. So so we we'll get you the we we'll get you the Reggie Bullock fan club hoodie, right? Sent it to Alex House. I'll burn it. Um, <laughs> let's get into the real thing. Alfred Payton. And Emmanuel quickly. We have – I don't even know how this is even a controversy of like who should start. But yet this is like a controversy of who should start. Um, all right. Let's start with you, man. We have Alfred Payton who's getting like a, a, an abundance of minutes and it's it's quite honestly just like disgusting. What do you, what do you feel? Oh, man. So let's see. All right. Well, I'm with pretty much everybody else. I mean at this point, Emmanuel quickly – should obviously be starting. Um, he's just a better player than Alfred Payton. Um, and, you know, I think the way Tibbs is looking at it, Alfred Payton might be the better maybe defender. And, you know, D- Tibbs is all about defense and stuff. And also about, like, you know, seniority. Like, you know, I'm going to trust the vet, right, as opposed to the rookie. But I think we've seen enough from Emmanuel quickly now that – um 
you know, he's earned, like, listen, he's earned his right to play. He's been playing. He played really well today. And the thing about Emmanuel quickly that I really like about him is that even when he's not playing well, it's still the offense moves better with him on the floor than with Alfred Payton, right? Um, you know, you have enough, we need shooting. This team needs shooting. We need a shooter. Like, Emmanuel quickly could shoot the ball. Alfred Payton cannot shoot the ball. So, you know, it's very, it's not hard. It's not rocket scientists to do it. The team looks completely different when Emmanuel Cookie's playing point guard. Even if his jumper is not falling, it looks completely different. You know, the tempo goes up, is, is, is faster with him on the court. His, his basketball IQ is higher than Alfred Payton's. Alfred Payton's very, he keeps, He's good at probing, like, you know, Alfred Payton, but the ball stays in his hand a lot. Emmanuel Quigley moves the ball, make quick decisions, you know what I mean? So I think Emmanuel Quigley should, should definitely be starting. And if, and if Tibbs is going to play this whole, you know, you know, you, you, nothing's going to be given, everything has to be earned type thing, you know, Emmanuel Quigley has earned it at this point. So, you know, don't just start Alfred Payton because he's the veteran, you know, it's time. Put Emmanuel quickly in the game. And if, if it doesn't work out, okay, he's learning through fire. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's learning through his mistakes. Um, and honestly, from what I saw from him today, you know, he's, he's a good player, man. You know? And that goes back to the whole, you know, Julius Randle trade. If we didn't trade Marcus Morris, we wouldn't have Emmanuel quickly. So, you know, we got to be, we got to, like, you know, this is why you, this is why teams that rebuild do this. You know, so play this man, all right? Put Alfred Payton on the bench, all right? And, you know, at least give him more. Like, if you're not going to start him, even though you should start him, if you're not going to start him, at least play him 30 minutes a game, you know what I mean? Or, or something like that, you know? Um, that's my only problem with Tibbs. You know, he's, he's, he's a very good defensive coach. His team is competing very hard. Even when we can't hit shots, we compete hard. But he's a little too stubborn in his ways. He needs to, um, you know, he needs to basically compromise, right? Like, you know, start Emmanuel quickly, right? And see what happens. And then it, it doesn't work in 10 games and then, then adjust accordingly. But at this point, he's playing way better than Alfred Payton. I cannot see Alfred Payton on the, on the perimeter. Like, the teams don't even guard him on the perimeter. They leave him wide open and, and it's just like, they don't even guard him. So... You know, just the threat of Emmanuel, like, um, if Emmanuel quickly went 0 for 12, he still does a better job for the Knicks than Alfred Payton because the guy can't sag off of him and it, it'll be more open for everybody else. So just put him in the game, Tibbs. Come on, it's time. I, I agree 100%. These, this is Emmanuel quickly from the last three games, by the way. 17 points, one steal, eight assists, 23 points, five rebounds, four assists, 19 points, two rebounds, three assists today against the Celtics. The kid is playing so well. You know, the thing that about quickly coming out of college is that he gets a little hot and cold, but I'd rather have a guy who's hot and cold that you don't know what you're going to get from him from the, from the arc, from beyond the arc, than a guy who I know what I'm going to get from behind the arc. Peyton can't shoot. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm tired, yeah. I'm tired of seeing the one thing, and this, this is the biggest issue with Peyton. The defense gets, the offense is flat. We all know the ball is going to Randall for most of the time. He doesn't even look at RJ or Bullock for the he, like. He just gives him dump off passes like around the perimeter, just like here you go, like just a handoff really, and, and uh, just because he has to, you know what I mean? Just because he has to get the ball moving and the offense going, he's not effectively creating like 
plays for anybody. He's not like he goes in and it's either like a missed layup or that's it. Like he he barely finds he barely kicks it out at this point. Which like I get it, we don't even have that many three point shooters, but still like the the thought of just like move the ball around, it's just not there and the offense is just so stagnant, it's nauseating. And with quickly, like if you don't want to start him, do what we did for Landry Fields when Mike Woodson came in after D'Antoni stepped down. Play Landry, play quick, play Peyton the nominal five minutes. Quickly plays the rest of the game. That's what we did with Fields, and that's what we should could definitely do with quickly. If you don't want to start him and create that whole like whatever, it's not even like a true controversy. If you started quickly, you can go easily go back to Peyton because he's a rookie. He's warning. You're just saying, look. You're not there yet. We saw it. We tried it out. You're not there yet. Go back to the bench. You're still going to get a lot of minutes because you work well with Rivers, Knox, everyone else coming off the bench. Work well with Toppin, which will be the last guy we talk about before we move on. Um, and and it, it's fine. Like, I'm just tired. I'm just tired of, like, seeing Peyton. And I know, like, there's people out there who are like, well, why are we – like, it's not going to happen. Like, it's not going to happen. Tibbs is not going to do it yet. It's like, I get that. But if no one says anything either, like, if you don't have people, like – rattling some like if you don't have like fans and everyone else saying like yo quickly needs to start like even scow today like i live so because i live in boston i get that the boston uh the boston speakers which is another like issue of just like hearing homers just talk about their own team it's not even fair like announcing like clyde and breen like today uh <laughs> the fact that scow said let me pull it up because I had to, because I had to tweet it, because it was just so comical that he even said it. <sighs> Where is it? Where is it? Okay, Scow said everyone, everyone wondering why quickly doesn't start has good reason. He said that on the air today. It's like, oh, good. Someone else sees it that this kid should be starting. Like we're not blind. Like Knicks fans are like one of the most astute like fans of the game when it comes to watching and understanding how basketball is played. It's like. It's not, it doesn't take a, a, a brain surgeon to understand that quickly should be getting the start at this point. He's playing so well. As already pointed out, he's creating space on the perimeter. He attacks the lane. He's looking for guys. He's connecting. He's making sure everyone touches the ball, which can't be said for Peyton. Quickly legit gets the ball to everyone's hands so that everyone gets to feel it. There's just a certain energy when everyone touches the ball. They don't even have to score, but just the fact of just touching the ball changes the whole aspect of the game because that's like you're moving the defense everyone feels like they're involved you don't want to just isolate people which every time we watch Peyton it feels like RJ Bullock Mitch feels isolated we haven't seen a lob from Peyton to Mitch and every time Peyton tries to make a lob it just clanks for Obi Toppin or Mitch so I'm just tired I'm just tired of it I just want to see quickly start at this point I think it's more than obvious he's earned it and as Ari said, if Tibbs is going to hold everyone like accountable to like you have to earn it, how has Payton earned anything at this point when he's not shooting well? He consistently has games where it's just like he dominates the ball. I should not see 15 shot attempts from Payton where he's taking more than Randall or Barrett at any point. There's just, there should never be a game like that unless like everyone's way off. And that wasn't even the case. He was just attacking the lane uh, when we were playing. I think it was against the um, I think it was against the Cavs the first time when he did this and it was just, what, what are we doing here? Or no, it was Utah. You, I think it was, I think it was Utah. It was one of those two games. I'm just like, what yeah. are we doing? Why, why is Peyton taking all these shots? So yeah, I agree with I mean, just, just start it. Yeah. I mean, well, to be honest with you, like there, there's some context here, right? We have to know why Peyton is here and it's because of Scott Perry, right? So Scott Perry was in Orlando and he drafted Peyton, 
And then as soon as he became available, my brother is one of the people that cannot stop giving me heat for this because I knew Alfred Payton was coming the whole time when he was on Orlando. I kind of liked him, especially with that crazy hair. He was just a – I love point guards, right? I love that he was a, like the quintessential point guard. Like it wasn't – he's not amazing. He's not going to shoot, but he could drive in. He makes his players better. One of those guys that gets like 10 assists, seven rebounds, and like three points. Like that's my type of point guard, honestly. Like of course I want the triple-double point guard, but that's fine for me. So – that's the context of why he was brought in and probably why he keeps getting minutes. You know what I mean? It's about, it's kind of like the, it's not the best way to go about things, but number one, our point guard depth is really not great. Okay. Like it's just really not great. Um, so he, he's going to get minutes, but second of all, like the quasi GM and the GM that was there before. And I guess the long longest tenured person in our front office at this point, like, he, he likes that guy, and he's going to be a free agent. So I, that, that has something to do with it. What bothers me personally is I, – I know we've had this conversation on this pod before and uh, privately, Alex. What bothers me is that Isaiah Thomas, the, the, you know, the, the current Isaiah Thomas in the league, is not on our team, and the whole reason is because he's a liability. Right, he's a liability on defense. We're gonna have to hide him, and it's it's probably not worth it to you know give him the ball in his hands and see what he can do. If that's not worth it, then what are we doing with Peyton? Because with Peyton, we are hiding him on every single defensive play, and at this point, with Randall bringing up the ball, which is Alfred Peyton's number one through three skill sets, like bringing up the ball is literally number one, two, and three for him. And if he's not doing that, and we're hiding him as a shooting guard, and he doesn't shoot, what are we doing? Like, if that was Isaiah Thomas standing there in the same exact spots, he can do everything he can. He can shoot, he can, he's a veteran, he can dribble in, and he's a liability on defense. And he can get those steals just like him. You know what I mean? It's the same thing, but he can shoot and he can score, and he's an actual all-star. So, like, that's what bothers me with Peyton. Not that he's there, <laughs> per se, but that there is somebody else like Isaiah Thomas that could be, I guess, like, in my brain, like, plus 17 <laughs> to, to what Alfred Payton is doing. Yeah, I mean, I I I get what you're I get what you're saying at this point. Like, I guess if we did bring it right, like the only reason you're bringing it is because it can score. So if it can't score, then we're back at square one. And honestly, like if you're telling me it is going to start with the second unit, if you're telling me it is going to start with the second unit, where like that's even more manageable, I, I would I wouldn't be fully against trying it out at this point just because we walking see you i'm is. walking you off that plank i'm walking you off the I, uh, it plank we're getting really, somewhere I mean, we're getting you, somewhere you, here you really you really are at this point because what i've seen what we've seen from peyton is just like crap but my, i guess my Ari. question is like yeah, i guess ahead. my question my guess my question is like could peyton play better with the second unit if you have like knox who's hitting well if you play no. like Austin River, no no, because not. they're playing off of him. Like they're playing when, because, like Ari said, and I want to get Ari's opinion on it. But because of what Ari said, we have no shooters, so th- nobody's respecting Peyton. But also, like even like we just lay off of him, and then who's he going to pass to? You know what I mean? Like he, he can try to get the lob on the on the on the pick and roll, but if he's going to pass out to Knox, Knox is not going to hit a contested jumper. Neither is RJ. Neither is Burks. Honestly, neither is Bullock. Like who who is he passing to? But honestly, it can create for himself get that double team because people are going to be scared of him and then dish it out for a wide open Knox three and have Lee Valentine screaming all over the place about Kevin Knox. (laughs) Faithful listener, Lee Valentine talking about Kevin Knox, the Tim, the walking Tim. 
Um, all right, let's hear your opinion on uh, yeah. IT. Um, I mean, listen, what IT are you getting? I mean, I, I, is this the Boston IT? I mean, obviously, it's not going to be the Boston IT, but is it like 70% of the Boston IT, 80% of the Boston IT? So or is it going to... Yeah, I mean, yeah, if, listen... If he's healthy, listen, if he's, I mean, listen, if he, he was, you know, he was an MVP candidate when he was on Boston. So obviously, you know, you take that. Um, you know, I agree with John to the extent that if you have a scorer and he's terrible at everything else, doesn't pass the ball, it can't rebound, doesn't play defense, this team still needs that <laughs> because we need scoring. So that's why I was so baffled when we just cut Alonzo Trier. Yeah, I understand his defense isn't great. I understand the ball sticks with him, right? But, you know, what are you going to put Frank out there? Like, you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, you need someone, you need someone to score, to shoot, to shoot the ball. That's why we want Emmanuel quickly to start because he could shoot, he could score. He's got a good floater game. He knows how to draw fouls. He gets teammates involved, you know, with regards to IT. Yeah, I would take a shot on him. Why not? What do we have to lose? But I listen, I would, I would take a shot on Alonzo Trier again and hope that Tibbs would make him a good defensive player. He's 6'5". He's athletic. There's no reason why he shouldn't be a good defensive player. He's not 5'9 like IT. He should be a decent defensive player. And, you know, if anyone could turn him into a defensive player, it'd be Tibbs. Um, you know, the, the, the big issue why I think people are afraid of Alonzo Trier is because he's like a really bad like – he thinks he's Carmelo Anthony. Like he's a real ball stopper. You know what I mean? Um, but listen, if he wants to make money and he wants to be in the NBA – Pass the damn ball, Alonzo Trier. You know what I mean? But, yeah, I would take a shot on it. We're rebuilding. You take a shot on everybody. I take a shot on IT. I take a shot on, you know, Alonzo Trier. I would take a shot on a lot of players um, because we need scoring. Like, what about Jamal Crawford? Are you in the league? Is he in the league? No, not yet. I, 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 mean, I, would, I, I think he's going to be in Brooklyn soon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, you know. We this team needs scoring right now. If we were like the Brooklyn Nets, let's say, I would not take a shot on it or Alonzo Trier. I would get a defense. I would get a Frank. You know, if I was on the, the Brooklyn Nets, because they have enough offensive firepower. You know, you don't want someone taking more shots from Kevin Durant, and James Harden, and stuff. So it's about fit. You know what I mean? So like this team needs scoring. You know, our defense. Yeah, are we a perfect defensive team? No, but Tibbs got us competing. You know, we're better than we were last year. If you could get Kevin Knox to play defense, you could probably get anyone to play defense. So, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll take a shot on IT. Why not? Veterans minimum, I'm, I'm good with it. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm slowly walking because it was at the beginning of the season when John asked me. I'm like, yeah, I'll slowly walk off that ledge. to <laughs> Slowly getting people. Back. I'm slowly getting Alex to, <laughs> to be on the IT train. Oh, my God. It, it's finally happened, John. It's finally happened. Look at that. Um, guess by guess, baby, brick by brick. <laughs> I would rather prefer Alonzo Trier over oh, me too, baby. Over, 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 over IT. But you know, risk for listen. If he's healthy and he's playing close to how he was in Boston, this is it's it's a low risk. Like if it doesn't work out, cut him. You know, put him on the bench, whatever. And if it works out, you have like a a really good player. So I'm good with both of them, honestly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look. I think the thing with Alonzo Trier, I don't think he'll come back unless like he's completely like, unless like the whole like issue like of like liking an, uh, a slandering tweet against R.J. Barrett, like the whole like mantra of him being like, like his ego will have to take a knockdown 
from what everyone's talking about for him to get back on a team and to be competitive. I don't think he can come back to the Knicks, especially with RJ and everyone on the team, just because of how it left off and how players probably feel about him in the locker room. But I would well, I think I think Alonzo Trier has the capability of being a good NBA player, like scoring wise, like the kid's there. Like you put the ball in his hand, he can score it all three phases easily. Easy. Easily. Like easy. Like that's why it was so weird where it's like last season you're watching this team struggle with scoring. You're like, yo, like we got the dude on the bench that could just go in there and just be a microwave. And the thing, the joke is like, he doesn't pass the ball, but he can pass really well. Like when he does pass, those are some solid passes. I wish he, I wish he would pass more, uh, defense. I mean, look, people complain about his defense. Let me tell you something. Jamal Crawford and Lou Williams, when they came into the league, sucked at defense. And guess what? They made nice careers of being the sixth man in the league. And they're not necessarily the, the greatest passes either, but they learned how to pass the ball. So I got faith in Alonzo Trier that he can do it. I think he just needs to knock down his ego a little bit and just become that team player that he needs to be. But I got faith in Trier. Uh, love the kid. I wish the Knicks did it. I wish we did him right, but whatever. Um, you can argue that we did just because we gave him like a big contract from the G League or whatnot, but whatever whatever at this point hope the kid uh shows that he's actually what he's meant to be but let's talk about the last let's talk about the last two guys really uh rivers has been off this week but he's still trying to keep that culture in the locker room and then we had Toppin, right that's the last guy i also want to talk about and then we can move on to thinking about what the knicks are going to do this week with their upcoming slate um so rivers not a good week i didn't like him in the starting lineup I think he's more. I think he's more of a bench guy. Like this is where people said we should have Rivers starting as a point guard. He's not that guy. Like he's just not. He's just not a point guard. He's always been an off-ball guard. Like he's a combo guard. Leave him at that. If he's in the starting lineup, he has to be a combo guard. You know, I, I know we had him out on the wing when we had RJ at the top. I think it should have been the other way around. But I like him coming off the bench. I think he'll get it back going. I think when I watch him shoot, he's like waiting. He's not even shooting at the at the apex of his jump. He's waiting until he comes down and then starts firing, which is why it looks it so off. And then Obi Toppin, people are just complaining about Obi for two games, which is just comical. Um, had a nice game today. Had a really nice game. Still need to see more, but I just wanted to touch on it, saying that he had a nice game. We should not. The only thing I want to say about Toppin is like, he had a nice game today. Let's not be quick to judge this kid. Give him time. Let's see what he's got. All right. He needs to be in a, an offense that works for him, which is really the second unit. So let's just give it time. All right. What do you, what do you think about uh, Rivers and uh, Toppin? Okay. So starting with Austin Rivers, um, you know, obviously, if you're talking about building a culture and whatever, obviously, you know, he's he's been very vocal about it. You know, he wants to be here. He's on a very team-friendly contract. Um, I like Austin Rivers. Um, the thing about that I really like about him is I think he probably has the quickest first step on the team. Um, I mean, I'm sure Dennis Smith probably does, but I, the guy just doesn't know how to play basketball. But, you know, Austin Rivers is, is um, you know, he could, he could, the, the reason why people want him to, to play point guard is because he could beat his, he could be, he's the only guy who could beat his man without a pick, collapse the defense, and then you just, you know, you kick it out to RJ to miss a three, but whatever, either way. Um, you know, I think he, he, I think Austin Rivers needs to play more because even when he's not shooting the ball well, he at least could get past his man, collapse the defense, get us some open jumpers. And, you know, he plays hard. And then, like, again, you're comparing him to Frank, you're comparing him to Dennis Smith Jr., Alfred Payton, Reggie Bullock. So, yeah, you know, should he start or not? You know, I, like Alex, I think, you know, I would rather him off the bench. But 
I think this whole who starts thing is a little overrated. I just like, you know, it only matters for the first eight minutes of the game or whatever, however it is. And, you know, it's more about who plays the most minutes and who plays in crunch time when you need it. And they always have rivers on the floor in crunch time. And, um, you know, they always, and they, they usually have quickly in the floor in crunch time. So, you know, I don't know why Tibbs is doing this, but I do like, like, I like Austin Rivers on this team, but we need someone who could score, even if he's not scoring. Like, here's another thing. Like, so, like, Austin Rivers scored 40 points on the same team with James Harden last year, right? The guy could fill it up, right? R.J. Barrett has games where he has 25 points a game, right? Alfred Payton even has games where he gets 18 points a game. The reason, the thing that separates, you know, great players from regular players is the consistency, right? So, you know, none of these guys, the only, the only consistent guarantees you're going to get at this point is that you know Julius Randle's consistently going to play well, and you know Frank and DSJ are going to suck. That's the only consistency you got. But, you know, I think Austin Rivers on this team is very important because he's the only guy who can break down the defense. Um, he can shoot a little bit, and he's good for the culture. I would rather him off the bench, but if you started him, I can understand that too. Um, and I just wouldn't look into the starting lineup rotations thing too much. Um, so that's my take on Rivers. And with Obi Toppin, bro, like this guy hasn't even played, man. This guy's played, like how many NBA minutes has he played yet? Like 20 minutes combined? Like, come on. Like you cannot judge this guy. The one thing I will say about Obi Toppin is that he's a lot better passer. Like I may, I may have not seen it today, but he's made some passes that I've seen that I was like, okay, this guy could pass the ball, which is, I didn't know he was a good passer. Like, I didn't watch a lot of college basketball. Um, you know, obviously he's very athletic and he could shoot the ball. You know, my, my concern with Obi Toppin, my concern is that with Julius Randle on his team and just the, with the way that I saw him play today, like, they have him playing like a spot-up guy in the corner, like shooting threes. Like, that is not, like, he's got to be playing like Amari Stoudemire, Okay. That's how he has to play. Pick and roll, attack the basket with at all costs. Because he has, he's like, he's, imagine, he's like Mitch, but like he has offensive game. Like, attack the basket, go to the hole, you're athletic, you can jump over everybody. You know what I mean? Inside, work inside out. You know what I mean? So, you know, I haven't seen enough of him to give, to say whether he's going to be good or whether he's going to be bad, but I am concerned about the way he's being used right now. Um, and you know that's part of the that's that's part of the reason why I think we should move Julius Randle. It's not the big part of the reason. If we didn't have Obi Toppin on this team, I'd still say move Julius Randle just because we're rebuilding. But you know, even when he's on the when when Obi's on the court and Julius Randle's not even on the floor, they're used like it looks like they're using him the wrong way. You know what I mean? And whether that's because he hasn't got enough practice time or because you know whatever, because, you know, they want to stretch the floor so they could open up the lanes for RJ or whatever. Like, don't hinder this man's development, his growth, and what he does well. You know, you got you to gotta, you gotta put him in a, in a position to succeed. You know what I mean? So I would use him the right way. And um, anyone who's down on Obi right now, or anyone who's super down on Obi or super high on Obi right now, after watching maybe 15 minutes of him play basketball, he's probably had like 50 touches in his entire NBA career. All right. It's crazy. It's crazy. Just yeah. clowns, just clowns. Yeah. And, and honestly, you hit it right at the end there. He just doesn't know where to stand. <laughs> like he doesn't know what to do with his hands almost. You know what I mean? Like that's how I'm watching him on the court. Like 
He's clearly out of shape, right? Now now that he didn't play NBA games for a couple of weeks now, like he he, he obviously looks bigger as a person, like kind of chubbier. He obviously has no idea where to stand. He's just like hanging out at the three-point baseline at the corner and then like kind of like waiting for his time to like run in or like set the screen when somebody tells him. Like he looks uncomfortable. And why wouldn't you be uncomfortable, dude? Like the whole team is going right now and when he came in, they were on a like a, a stride, like a losing stride and he was supposed to come in and fix things? Like no, he, he's Amari Stoudemire. You know what I mean? He's Amari Stoudemire with a shot. Like he needs a point guard that's going to Open, open it up for him. Like, uh, he needs to be open for his shots. He's not going to create. And he needs a defensive backstop behind him. He's not going to be the defensive backstop. Like, that just is what it is. You know what I mean? So, he's just not being put in the position, best position to win right now. I don't think that's the Knicks' fault. I think that has a lot to do with his injury. I think that has a lot to do with the fact that, honestly, you're right, Ari. Like, Randall, he, he is Randall. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Obi, like, I don't want to say, like, what's the difference really between Randall and Amari? The fact that Randall can dribble up the court? Like, you know, they're kind of the same person, you know, at the end of the day, too. High-flying dunks? I mean, Randall could do that if he had a point guard. Like, you know, that's the thing. Like, I always try to think, if you put CP3 on this team, like we had, like we were, you know, rumoring this offseason, how different would these players be? You know what I mean? Like, Reggie Bullock would be amazing. You would be sitting here telling me how, about, how much you love Reggie Bullock. And, you know, he'd be telling me how Mitch has to be. That. <laughs> I think he would, dude. I really think he would. And he would be telling me how you think that, you know, Mitch has to be an all-star this year because he's leading the league in field goal percentage and, you know, because of all the alley-oops and he's getting the boards. And it just makes a huge difference when, when a point guard is putting you in the position to win. Randall's bringing up the ball every time. Uh, what is he going to do with Obi? <laughs> They're not going to run the one-two. You know what I mean? So, th- like, that's that's my thing about Obi. I'm excited for him. I agree with Ari. If you're excited about him, like, super excited about him, you're going to think he's going to be MVP. If you think he's going to be a G League star, you're a clown. I-, I 100% agree with that. As for the Austin Rivers thing, it's not so much a should, I, should he start or not. I do think he should be at the end of games because he has that clutch factor. If... And only if he is in control. And if you watch Austin Rivers, you know exactly what that means. He has these spurts where he's just out of control. Like, he's, he's, he's doing too much. Like, he's trying to be like the, the Jimmy Butler. You know what I mean? He's getting the ball. He's trying to score. He's trying to go into defenders. He does that stupid, you know, crossover. And it gets stolen. The best way to explain it is he's a microwave. Like if he if yeah. once if, if he's getting hot, dude, you leave Austin Rivers in that game. He's gonna drop three threes in a row, get a steal, and make a defensive stop. He's gonna change the whole game. But if he's doing bad, like if he's getting if if, if the other guard is like has his number and he's not letting him dribble and he's clearly frustrated, he's getting out of bounds calls when he's not out of bounds. You know what I mean? Like you have to take Austin Rivers out of that game because he's such a microwave that he's gonna be super cold. You know what I mean? Even if he hits a three, to like is, it, he's gonna be overall net net negative. So I guess that's my opinion on Austin Rivers. I need him to be our Jamal Crawford. Just be Lou Williams, be the sixth man, come in here and run the show. That, like, you know, that, that's, that's how I see him, to be honest. He, he's kind of like IT, in my opinion. Like Isaiah Thomas and Austin Rivers, they're bringing me the same thing uh, to the court. I hear what you say with, like, uh, you want, like, Austin Rivers in control because he can just try to do too much. Um, and that's why I like him out there with, like, Quickly because Quickly can 
harness and get everyone, like reel everyone back in and then keep the ball moving, keep the whole offense flowing. That's why they work so well together. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have much more to add on about that. What about you, Ari? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. pretty much all of that. The one thing I will say about Austin Rivers is like, yeah, he's a microwave um, for sure. But, you know, I think he also adds us dribble penetration to the team, which is sorely lacking on this team. Um, you know, that's why I get so frustrated with Dennis Smith Jr. Because imagine being the most athletic person Imagine being the most athletic person on the court and not knowing how to, and like not doing anything. Like it just, it boggles my mind. I have no idea what it is, but you know, this team does need, I mean, quickly can penetrate, you know, does can do dribble penetration. That's why we should be starting him or playing him more minutes. But, you know, Austin Rivers could collapse the defense. Um, you know, so maybe I wouldn't start Maybe he's not a point guard, but like, you know, get him the ball, have him drive in the lane, kick it out. So, you know, hopefully Alex Burks or, quickly or someone who could shoot. And, um, you know, I think he does add a little bit of a dynamic with the dribble penetration. Um, his first step looks pretty good to me. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like Austin Rivers, but um, he does have a tendency to, I guess, as you shoot you out of games, sort of like RJ. But listen, man, Tib's got a, Tib's got a tough, tough, tough job. So, you know, I think he's doing all right so far, but, you know, he needs to stop being so stubborn. When the guy's going one for 13 or something, take him out of the game. Like, it's not your night, buddy. Like, you'll play tomorrow, okay? Like, when you're down by 30 points on a back-to-back, put Julius Randle on the bench, let him rest. Like, these are very basic things that, you know, any coach should understand. And, you know, I just hope uh, he does it. And with the Toppin thing, I am concerned about the way he's being used. Uh, and, you know, whether that's him being in shape or whether that has, that's Tibbs or whatever – you know, he's got to, he's got to, they got to play, they got to put him in a position for him to personally succeed. Um, so I'm with that. And the last thing about Julius, um, Julius Randle and Amari Sotomayor is like three or four inches taller than Julius Randle. That's like the major difference, but that's, that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> All right. Solid, solid. And the one thing I'll add for Obi Toppin is that um, they have him out there like Laurie Markin on the Chicago Bulls, like what he did, like what uh, Jim Boylan did last season. Just stand in the corner and just shoot threes. Yeah, I don't need that from Obi. Like, I know he can shoot the, I know he shot the three ball well in college on a small volume, I think for like 3.9 attempts or something along those lines. And he shot 39%. But we don't, we don't need, uh, we don't, we don't need him at, out on the, on the perimeter so much. The guy's like a dunk, he's like a dunk contest guy and we haven't shooting threes. It's like, doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Because we got to push the ball in transition to actually do something, which this team seems to just be so resistant. Like they will do it like in, in spurts and moments. And I'm just like, there we go. And then it'd be like another like 20 possessions without any transition. It's like, come on guys, just, just push the goddamn pace. But yeah. you know what? I, I think that covers it all for the, the Knicks topics. Uh, well, almost. Let's finish up this with uh, what we got, what we predict for this upcoming uh, slate of games. All right. So we got this. I just want to get you guys' takes on what do we think this record is going to be for this week. So we got the Magic. When this podcast comes out, the Magic, the Knicks versus Magics will we'll already pass, but we're going to add this in here. So we got the Knicks going against the Magic tomorrow uh, at 12 p.m. on Martin Luther King Day. Then we got the Knicks playing the Warriors on Thursday at 10 p.m. We then have the Knicks playing the Kings at 10 p.m. on Friday. And then we got the Knicks playing the Trailblazers on Sunday at 9 p.m. for their West Coast. This is all West Coast trip. And then they'll end that West Coast trip against the Utah Jazz, but we'll cover that next week. 
We don't need to do that now because that's on a Tuesday next week. So for the four games that we have coming up this week, what do we see the Knicks going? What do you got? One and three, two and two, three and four, winning every single game, which I don't see. But what do you guys got? I'll start with you, Ari. What's your prediction? Uh, I'm going to go one and three. One and three. I'm going to go one and three. Um, Vucevic always kills the Knicks. Always. Yes. Yes, always. Absolutely, absolutely dude. So, you know, and if Mitch, if Mitch is hurt, like we said, dude, it's all over tomorrow. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, you know, the Knicks—they just had a really good win, so they're gonna lose tomorrow. So <laughs> that's hundred you know, percent, hundred percent. I'm, 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 I'm taking that. And what's the next game? So the loss to the Magic. The next game after is what? Golden State. Golden said. Um, Golden State. Uh, I mean. I'll, that's tough. I, 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 I could see, they're going to lose to Utah also. I could see them. They're going to win either Portland or Golden State, I think. I don't know which one exactly. Um, I, I'm going to say they're going to win in Golden State. They're going to win uh, Golden State, and they're going to lose to Portland and lose to Utah. That's my prediction. And the reason why, I mean, I think that, you know, Without Clay Thompson on, on Golden State, you know, they're, they're a little, like, you just have one job, and it's pretty much just, you know, control Steph Curry a little bit. You know, with the defense, like, with the defense that Tibbs has us playing, it's not great, but it's better than last year. You know, I think he'll come up with a really good game plan to stop that. It's a lot harder to stop Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum, you know, Melo can still put the ball in the court and in, in the hole. And, you know, they're, 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 it's harder to game plan, I think, for Portland right now than it is for um, Golden State. So I'm going one and three. And they win in Golden State and they lose to the other three. Okay, so actually, so Utah's the last one. Uh, they're actually not in this uh, one and four. It's actually Sacramento. So- oh, Sacramento. Okay, so so. It's Magic Warriors, Sacramento, uh, All right. Portland. All right, so I'm going to go lose to Orlando, win, win against Golden State, lose to lose to the Kings, and then lose to lose to um the Blazers. Um, I think the Kings. I mean, De'Aaron Fox always kills the Knicks. Um, and again, like I said. They're going to beat Golden State, and they'll probably, like, they don't, lose, they don't win two in a row. This team doesn't win two in a row that much. We had, like, one. We had that, like, five-game winning streak, which, um, you know, was something which was it – was so, it was so newsworthy that it made national TV news, and it was the first time it's happened in, like, since the mellow years. So you can't expect that to happen. Um, but, yeah. I'm, I'm going to take uh, the Kings. I'm going to, you know, what, I'll make, I'll make a, I'll make a pretty bold prediction. The Kings game is going to go to overtime. Ooh, the Kings game is going to go to overtime. Are you taking that bet, Ari? That's a, that's a, that's a big bet. The, the, the game goes into overtime straight up. <laughs> I've, been, I, I've, I've actually, I've actually been pretty hot lately, so maybe I will take the bet. We'll <laughs> oh, I, I, think I, I think I might tail it. Just, just, just for guys <laughs> on that one. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, John. What do you got? What do you got for this week? All right, so I agree with the Knicks can't win two games in a row. Plus, it's Vucevic, and we literally cannot guard him. I agree. I agree with that point, but it is on noon, 
on a Monday. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's a weird game. Like, it's just a super weird game. I definitely like the under uh, in Knicks Magic. Like, just, I just think that no one's going to score a basket. Um, and I do think we can keep up. Like, so uh, give me the Knicks versus Magic win um, right before we go on the road. Uh, get, then that's a Knicks Warriors L. I don't know who in the world already thinks is going to guard Steph Curry, but that person is not on this team. Um, uh, and I'm going to do, and so then that's an L Knicks Kings. I'll, give me an OT loss. That sounds like an OT loss. Um, is, is Aaron Fox back, uh, fully from the ankle? Um, I know he played, uh, just the other day. Um, and he's been playing, but I don't know if he's like playing every game. Um, so I'm not it, it, sure. So if we do, so it, it, he does still have another week. So if Darren Fox is still there, I agree. We, we probably can't keep up with him either. Uh, so that's two L's in a row. Warriors, Kings, Thursday, Friday, back-to-back. And then we have a couple days off. Opposite day, Sunday. Ennis Kanner and Mello on the Blazers. Yusuf Nurkic is out for a while again. Shout-outs to Nurk, man. He just can't stay healthy, that guy. Um, weird time, 6 p.m. Uh, over there, 9 p.m. I mean, oh, it's a normal time game, 9 p.m. here. Um, I don't know, man. Just give me the opposite day Sundays, just like today. Underdogs on Sundays, man, there's just something about it. So I, I really don't know. Are they looking forward to next week? Are they just, like, finishing off their weekend? I, I never understand it. But uh, give me two and two uh, on the back ends with Magic and Trailblazers and give me the two L's in between. Kings being a close one. I'm definitely with Ari on the overtime. Um, two and two. Magic, Blazers win. Warriors, Kings, L's. Okay. Okay. Um, I got the Knicks. If there's going to be a game they win this week, I hear you on the opposite Sunday. I don't know if I can believe that. Cause, just because if we're going to ask who's guarding Steph, who the hell is guarding CJ and Dame? I can't see it. So count me out for the Warriors and uh, and the Blazers. Um, I'm going to take the – if we're going to get a win this week, I feel like it's going to be against the Magic. I feel like that's the only team that we can actually – it all depends if Mitch plays tomorrow, in all honesty. If Mitch's not playing tomorrow, we're gonna catch that L. But I'm actually gonna I'm gonna go against the grain. I'm gonna take I'm gonna say that we're gonna lose against the Magic, the Warriors, and the Blazers. I'm gonna go with that OT win against the Sacramento Kings. I'm going against okay. the Grain. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Let's do it. Um yeah, so that's that that's my that's my pick. I feel like the Kings is the only team that we can actually like somehow, because I think Mitch will be healthy by then, we'll somehow be able to like muster up something. I don't know what it is. Maybe quickly we'll keep Darren Fox on his toes. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But all right. So just to round it up, we got Ari, right, you got this team going one and four. Uh you got them beating the Warriors um with the OT against the Kings uh, and probably an L. John, you got the Knicks going two and two this week, beating the Magic and the Trailblazers for opposite day, opposite day Sunday. Uh, losing to the Kings in OT and the Warriors. Me, I got uh, the Knicks going one and four, one and three this week, beating the Kings in OT because that's got OT written all over it. And Ari's hot, so I gotta go with it. Gotta go with the guy who's hot right now. Go with the hot. If I, if I if I if the if the Kings game goes to OT and and regardless of what happens, if the Kings game goes to OT, I get invited back on the pod. 
You get, you're, you're, you get, you're come back on this pod, man. Don't worry. All right, perfect. That works for me. This is not like a one-time thing, bro. Like we just, have, we just have to schedule people running through. We're gonna also already pod again. Also, Ari, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet that I'm gonna bet Knicks and and Kings go to OT. It's usually like plus one or two thousand. So if that hits, yo, I got you. I got you on something. Don't worry. Awesome. All right, we'll do it up. And this is not your last time on the pod, Ari. Dude, don't worry about that. Okay. Fantastic. It's, it's, it's not. It's not the last time. It's not the last. Time. I'm just, bring me. Bring me back when we trade Randall. Done. You know what? that that done. Done. There you go. Uh, you got it. If we trade Randall, you are we are bringing you back because you have been preaching this to the choir. All right. Let's go. It's been two years in the process. <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna get more from him now. So, that, but I've been I've been consistent the whole time. That you have. That you have. But. Guys, let's end this Knicks conversation here. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back for the et cetera portion. Let's talk about that Harden trade and the Tuesday games. So a quick break. All right, what's up, everyone? We're back with another et cetera portion where we like to talk about teams around the league and especially teams that are never allowed to grace the beginning part of our podcast, according to Alex. I won't even say the name, man. That team, that other team that shares the city with us. They had a blockbuster trade. They now, honest to God, you know, they can, they're, I mean, they're a top contender in the East, obviously, but they, they control, man. They control basketball in the city right now, uh, regardless of how we feel about it. Um, they have Kevin Durant. They have James Harden. They have weird things going on with their point guard, right? Like, they, they're, they're the talk of the town right now. So, they also shook up the NBA, dude. Uh, we got... Karis Levert going to Indiana, which I thought was a perfect spot for him. Um, fortunately slash unfortunately, uh, with Karis Levert on, upon the physical, they found some uh, some tumors on his kidney, and he's going to get that checked out. So thank God for that, man. That's like what a blessing in disguise, uh, not only for his career, but for his life, uh, for Karis Levert. Um, we have draft picks being severely undervalued, which we talked about. We have four first-round picks and four pick swaps, like – the Nets do not care about the history of what happened with them and the Celtics that netted them Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. You know what I mean? Like, nobody cares about that anymore, uh, which is really interesting. Um, and the Rockets are in rebuild mode. And who cares about the Cavs? So, <laughs> um, I kind of want to get, I wanna get, I wanna get uh, your takes on it. Alex, we'll start with you, and then uh, I'll toss it up to Ari. All right. So, the, one, prayers out to Karis Wilbert because, <clears throat> my God. Think to to if he didn't have to do a physical, my God, I can't I can't even think I can't I I honestly thank like thank God for that and hopefully he comes out okay. Um, let's start there. Starting with this trade, I actually like the Rockets. I like how they look now with Oladipo on the team, John Wall. You got Boogie, you got Christian Wood, you got Eric Gordon, you got PJ Tucker. That's a that's a nice squad, man. They got a nice squad down there. I'm actually intrigued to watch them as you were talking offline about this this past week after the trade happened. I'm interested to see how they work. They're clearly in a rebuild mode. Um, I, well, not even really because they got Wall on the contract for such a long time too. Like that's that's not ending anytime soon. I think it's another. I think this year plus the next three years. So that's it. The question is whether does Oladipo stay? Like they got Wood for a while. They got they can keep his boogie as long as they want. Really. Um, so yeah. All the casu- really- all the casuals all the casuals were uh, brought on to Christian Wood this past week. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Like, he's doing really well. That team has not been, like, star, like, going crazy. He's playing very well. I'll give him that. I will give him that. Um, 
For the Pacers, I like Levert out there. I'm intrigued to see how that all works out. Cavs, I think they're just trying to pivot and attack whatever the Pistons are trying to do with all their power forwards. So they're like, yo, Pistons got all these power forwards. Let's take all the centers and we'll be good. Um, and for the team that I hate the most, and I really hate this team the most, not even because like it's – I just had to work with somebody who was such a big Nets fan. And they kept bringing up that the Nets were going to be better than the Knicks when we did the mellow trade back, in the, back then. And he was like, watch out for Anthony Morrow. And I was like, watch out for Anthony Morrow. What are we talking about here? This kid's a shooter and he doesn't do anything else. Please stop. Don't tell me I got to watch out for Anthony Morrow. And this is no slander to Anthony Morrow. But it's like you're ba- they're, 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 they legit said that Anthony Morrow, what was it? Because Phil, because ja- the, the response to that, Phil Jackson said um, Anthony Morrow has like a same shooting stroke as Kobe. I was like, okay, let me take that, tear this up. I don't want to hear you talk again. I don't know about your basketball IQ, but we have questions. Serious questions. Um that's the real reason is just because I've had people who've just like just been like so bandwagon, especially when they moved out there. You just hear fans who are like, did you know that the greatest player in Nets history was Deron Williams and Joe Johnson? I was like, I don't know what are you talking about. You just don't know anything at this point. Um, and that was on the subway to Brooklyn. But the Nets made a blockbuster trade, man. You get James Harden, you have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. That's an offensive juggernaut at that point. I don't know who's playing defense, but... Ari pointed out earlier in the pod that, like, they should be training for people who could play defense because you got rid of, like, your best rim protector in J.A. DeAndre Jordan's just there for the vibes. Um, yeah, offensively, teams are – like, you saw what happened with James Harden this past night. Like, they went up to 120 points. Like, they're, they're going to score. And the thing is they're, they're all going to allow teams to score. Shout out to Chip Murphy who was like, yo, Vooch is getting 35 tonight. And Vooch got 30-some-odd points that night. And it was like, yo, like, there's no one playing defense. Like – it's it's comical, like, at that point for on the defensive end, but they're a top team. They're going to be the team to beat in the East at this point. You know, KD, Harden, whenever Kyrie comes back, like, Giannis can't take that off. That, the, the Bucks are going to have, like, such a struggle. And people were talking about the Celtics. We just saw what happened without Jason Tatum. Don't even put that in my face. The Miami Heat now, that this is the team that you got to go against? That's a nightmare of a team. Um, the, the Nets just – the Nets are just powerful for this year and the next year. Uh, the question is, can they all gel? You know, Harden's putting on his first uh, first day in the office, good look face. Like, yeah, I'm going to do everything. He was playing a little bit of defense that night, passing the ball, looking great. He's like that new employee that like, enjoys a new company, has that new culture feel. Like, yeah, he, he he's vibing so right true. now. He's loving it. He's That's so true. Well, give me until the postseason when things – this, this just, a couple L's. Nice. just a couple yeah. L's. Just a couple like two, L's. Just like two, three L's in whatever. a row. Oh, dude. Look, it's going to be fantastic they, to watch. If they don't win this year and they got to run it back next year, let's see what happens next year. Let's what's Ronde? Let's let's reconvene and talk about this next year. All right. Let's see how they. Let's see how everyone feels because there's a lot of egos that need to be massaged. All right. Let's hear your takes on this. All right. So um, I absolutely despise the Nets. I hate the Nets um, more than the Mavs, more than the Heat, more than anyone. Um, I'll tell you this one, I'm a diehard Knicks fan, but now I'm I'm repping the Lakers this year, baby. I'm 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 team. I I don't like LeBron, but this year I like LeBron. I'm all on the LeBron train this year because as long as the as long as the Nets do not win the chip, like I look let them win the East, whatever, fine. As long as they don't win a chip, I'll be okay. So, um, but here's but like I think it's gonna be 
like they're they're gonna they're gonna make the finals. Um, I just don't see how you guard a team with Kyrie Irving. This is assuming Kyrie Irving comes back, but um, sorry about that. I muted by accident, but I don't see how you guard a team with three players who. Let's be honest. They're three of the top ten one-on-one players of all time. So probably like this is not like. Steph Curry running around screens and stuff like, you know what I mean? Or Ray Allen running around screens. Like these guys will beat their man off the dribble every single time. And then you're going to have to help. And then you're going to leave Durant open for three. You're going to have to leave Harden open for three. You're going to have to leave Kyrie open for three. It's going to be a night. I don't know how you guard this team. Now, yes, they don't play defense, but I think, I think they could, I think this team could just outscore teams. And also I think that when you go to the playoffs, you do need to get stops in the playoffs, but I think, I think they're, I think they're, I think these guys could play defense if they really wanted to. I think they could buckle down and get some stops if they really wanted to. Kevin Durant definitely could. Um, James Harden should be able to do that also. Kyrie's a little small, but I don't see why they can't do enough. Um, and I'm sure they're not done making moves. I'm sure they'll, they'll try to like, you know, get another, some kind of deep, pick up some defender or something. I don't know. They'll try to do things. And let's not forget, they still have Joe Harris. I know Din, they're going to have Dinwiddie next year. So they're gonna, and they still have Joe Harris and they still have DeAndre Jordan, Jeff Green. It's not like they really, it's not, it's not like they really gutted their team. Like, yeah, they lost Levert and, and J- Jared Allen, but, you know, they still have a team. Um, they gave up a lot for, for, for this, but they're legitimate. They're, they're my second, they're my second pick. I still have the Lakers ahead of them, but I would not be surprised in the slightest bit if they win. Um, the chip. And, um, you know, I think Kevin Durant is unbelievable basketball player. I think he's getting short. I think people aren't really paying attention to how good this guy is. He's really, he's a special talent, generational talent. You know, um, I thought this might be a hot take, but I thought before he went down with the Achilles injury that I think he was playing, I think he was the best basketball player in the world before he went down. Um, I know LeBron does more, but this guy's on the kids. You cannot stop this guy. So um, I like to. I do like. To, I like to trade for the Nets. Um, I love it for the Rockets because now they got so many draft picks. Like think about it. Like the window for for Brooklyn is two years. This year, next year, maybe if people resign three years, you're gonna have draft picks swaps, other picks. You know, for for Houston, and you're still getting back up an all-star caliber player, Victor Oladipo. So you can kind of build for the future and compete now. So I love, I love the trade for Houston. Um, I love the trade for, you know, Indiana also. Karis LeVert is a baller. He's a hooper, man. If he wasn't on the same team as, you know, if he was on the Knicks right now, right, instead of just say Julius Randle, the guy would be an all-star, like legit. You put it up 25 a game, right? Like the guy is nice, all right? He's a really good basketball player. He's, and I think, you know, Victor Oladipo was causing problems over there, coming off injury, Karis LeVert. You know, I think he's a little bit younger, so I like to trade for them. You know, I don't know what the hell Cleveland's doing with all these centers. You know what I mean? I'm guessing that they're maybe trying to... Offload Drummond. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get rid of Drummond maybe, something like that. You know, so that that would do it for them. And um, that, that's all four teams. I went through all four teams. I forget a team. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Yeah, so... I like it for Houston the most, you know, you know, this is the thing. It's like, 
I think they got back more. No, they didn't. But like they got back just as much as like the Lakers gave up for it. Like Brandon Ingram turned out to be a, a, a freaking stud. But like eight first round draft picks, you know what I mean? Like those are going to be swaps. Those are going to be swaps. So like in the year 2025, like, you know what I mean? Brooklyn's going to be garbage and they're going to get those picks, man. So it's like, and they're going to be pretty bad in Houston. So they're going to have two lottery picks come then. So they set themselves up really well. Um, if Brooklyn wins a, a chip, it's worth it for them. I think they need to win two chips in order. To, if you're going to mortgage the next eight years of your, of your of your team, I mean, I guess one chip is all right. Like, but like, you need to you need to be really like multiple. You need to be to be able multiple chips. And um, we still don't know what's happening with Kyrie Irving. Um, if I'm Brooklyn, I'm, I'm I'm trying to trade Kyrie Irving right now for for for, for something for like because him and like the fit is not good. But they're so talented that they'll make it work. Like, I'm not concerned about the fit, but like, you could trade Kyrie Irving. I mean, teams are really going to be really hesitant to pick him up, but like, you know, I, I would try to get rid of that guy. He's, he's walking. Like, there's got to be some team in the NBA that needs some talent, that needs, wants some, someone to come in or something. I don't know, but this, this guy is nuts. He might be retiring. I don't know what his deal is, so maybe they can't trade him, but, you know, I think I think I think James Harden was part of an insurance policy for Kyrie Irving. You know, they were already built to contend. They didn't have to mortgage their whole future. Like, did they get better? Yeah, they probably got a little bit better. But like, like, did they get much better to the point where you're gonna like, you know, do that? I don't think so. So they might know something we don't know. But um, if I had to rank it, I'd say the Houston's the number one winner. I'd say Brooklyn's number two, just because you got James Harden, you can win a chip. Indiana three, and then. I'm gonna put Cleveland four. Yeah, I go with that same ranking. That's that's probably that's definitely dead on. Yeah, I I, I mean it depends, of course, what happens with Levert. Um, I do think that Indiana is really set up for the future, man. Because sure, Oladipo and Levert have the same stats virtually, and they're you know virtually the same player. So you're saying what what's the point of that? But Levert's under contract and he's hungry, and like you said, like he now has a pathway to the Eastern Conference All Star game. Like, you know what I mean? And that makes more money, and that, you know, that makes him a better player. Like, him, TJ Warren, Sabonis, like, that's a squad out there. You know what I mean? Malcolm, Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon. It's, it's a very good squad. And it's, yeah, and it's, they're good out there. The one thing I'll add is, like, it's guys who don't have egos. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, these are all, like, team-playing type of guys who are not like, yo, it's about me. Like, you're not having anyone like Oladipo dropping an R&B an album, like, during the summer. Dude, exactly. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for like, bringing that up, dude. It's just an R&B like, artist that plays basketball. That's how it feels. Dude, I, okay. And so, like, when I saw that drop, I had to listen to it. I burned it. It's not, <laughs> not worth it. Uh, but, it but, yo, the, the one thing the one thing I'm going to get on Ari for is that he the Nets are his uh, pick in the East. Because, dude, it sounds like you forgot about the Miami Heat. It sounds like you forgot about the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, it sounds like I mean, you forgot about these guys. Because, like, honestly, you're telling me defense, defense. Like, that's what Miami does. Like, Miami plays defense and then drops threes on you. Like, so they could they could score the buckets that the Nets are going to allow them to, to score on, you know, when the Nets are quote-unquote on defense. And when the, when the Nets are actually playing defense, like Jimmy Butler and the boys, like, bam, out of bio, like, they can guard these guys. They're not going to stop them. They're not going to lock them down. But they can – a Spolstra defense could lock them down over a D'Antoni, Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire offense. Like, that's, it, that's just how it is in my brain, especially when we're talking about playoff series. 
Like, playoff series is not one game when Kevin Durant's walking in here, dropping 35, and then go home. Or, like, James Harden dropping 45 and then go home. Like, it's not like that. Like, we have to face you tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And there could be no stagnation. And, as we know, defense wins championships. So, I'm not really on fully on board with the Brooklyn bandwagon, to be honest with you. Um, but we, we'll see. Like, to me right now, they're number three in the East. Like, give me Miami number one, give me Milwaukee number two, and give me Brooklyn number three. That's just how I see it. Uh, and it's all- oh, yeah, go ahead. And it's, oh, no, last, thing, last thing, yeah, oh, last thing, last thing, last thing. I'm gonna say that you mentioned KP. That dude went 0 for seven from three today, and then he now he ended with two for seven, 28 percent, and minus seven. So get 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 out of the KP. I didn't want to hear that name. Forget about KP. But um, I'll I'll say this. Milwaukee not Milwaukee's not a threat. Milwaukee's not gonna do anything because I I, I your Miami argument's a lot better than Milwaukee argument. Um. Here's the thing, man. I just my, when Miami's good, when Miami's playing well, they have Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero on the floor, <laughs> and have them try guarding Kyrie Irving and, and, and James Harden. I do not think that's gonna happen. Um, also, you know what I will say, sleeper. I, it would be Jimmy. I, it would be it would be Jimmy Butler on Harden and Bam Adebayo on on Kevin Durant. Yeah, no one guarding Kevin Durant. No way. But um. You know, yeah, Jimmy Butler on Harden, yeah, I guess. But I'll, I'll say this. If Kemba Walker's knee comes back to 100% and he's playing like the Kemba Walker like that we know, if Boston makes a move for Julius Randle or somebody and gets another, like a little bit of a, you know, scoring big or someone who can play defense, that's a team because they have Marcus Smart who could guard Harden. Jalen Brown's a great defender. You got offensive firepower with Tatum and Brown. You know, Kemba Walker, this is assuming Kemba Walker's going to come back like Kemba Walker. I could see them posing the most problems to the Nets. But at the end of the day, man, it's just like, I just think that they're, you know, they're going to, the Nets are just, they're just too talented, man. It's just the only issue with them is whether Kyrie destroys it or not. If Kyrie doesn't destroy it, and just like, you know, is okay playing third option or, you know, or doesn't, even if he doesn't come back, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, I think they need him to, to win the championship, but I just think that the Nets, I have the Nets number one. And then I have, I, I, I probably have right now Miami number two for the argument you said, but I think Boston's a better matchup against the Nets. If that makes any sense. I agree. So, I agree with that. Tatum yeah. is a beast, man. Tatum and Brown yeah. can really change everything. I agree. And Kemba right. is an X factor. I agree. I, I, yeah. I, I, I agree with that where it could be Nets, Miami, and then Boston if they made like a trade for another big who could help score. Like yeah, you guys make, are no, that, you guys that, are throwing Bucks under the under the bus over here. No, dude, I've seen the Bucks the last two years. Here's the two here's something I can guarantee from the Bucks, okay? Mike Boonholzer will not make any adjustments. There's two ways the Bucks play. It's either Giannis. Finally, like Giannis either is dominating in the paint, which opens up the three-pointing or the, the three-point shooting, or the three-point shooting opens it up for Giannis. And that's the way it works. There's nothing else. They don't do anything else except shoot threes and let Giannis go to work in the paint. Like, they'll take some mid-ranges here and there, like when the second unit comes in. But they're not anything that's a threat. We've seen them in the last two years. They lost to the Miami Heat last year in the second round. The year before that, they lost to, um, who was it? Uh, Austin. Right. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, it was Boston. Yeah, it was Boston yeah. two years ago. Yeah, no, it, it was definitely Boston two years ago. That's when that's when Milwaukee won Game One, and then Paul. Uh, uh, I know. I think Paul Pierce said something 
like Milwaukee's gonna someone happen, and then like my Boston won four in a row and just like just destroy them. Yeah. So like, like it's there's no there's no way. Like there's just I don't I don't like I love Giannis. Like Giannis is one of my favorite players in the league. Greek freak all the way. That team is just not built to win, man. It's good no. regular season wise. Outside of the regular season, they're abysmal in the playoffs just because they do like they just don't do anything else. Like you have to adjust. Their game is so predictable. It's just dominant during the regular season. You know? When you watch when you watch like when you watch when you're when we're gonna see with the Nets is that you don't know who's gonna who's gonna go off that day. You have to guard three different guys who could potentially go off, get you thirty easy. And Kevin Durant is just an easy like walking bucket. I don't know. The Nets are number number one. You get you, you wanna hear a hot take? You want to hear a hot take? That's why we're here, Ari. We're here for your hot takes, baby. Let's do it. Ready for this? I'd rather be in the Knicks position today than Milwaukee's position. Uh, Yeah, I agree. That's my hot take. Yeah, I agree 100%. Milwaukee just traded three first-round picks for Drew Holiday. It's not enough. It's not enough. It is just not enough. And they're going to be stuck in the, you know, not – they're going to be like the East Coast version of what the Rockets have been, like a really good regular season team – that can make it to maybe the Eastern Conference Finals, but just not enough to get over the hump. And, you know, watch. Giannis is going to demand a trade in, like, two years once he realizes he can't win with this team. And, you know, they're going to have to get rid of him to get the picks that they traded away to get him back. Um, so I'm definitely with Alex on that. And the Philly thing, listen, I don't think Philly's going to ever win if Ben Simmons can't shoot. And I love Ben Simmons. I, I know John's a big. I know John's a big uh, Ben Simmons guy. I think he's a jump shot away from being like a LeBron James type player. He's so talented. But if you cannot shoot the basketball and you're the point guard, and you're not missing a shot, you're not even a threat. Where people are just gonna like, you know, let like let you really shoot and call and double Joel Embiid. It's just not gonna get it done. Not with Kevin Durant, James Harden, and and uh, you know Kyrie Irving on the same team. But um, I guess anything's possible. That's a fact. And Ari, two years ago, it was the Raptors who won. So it was when the Raptors took down the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Final. That's what I was thinking. Okay, got it, got it. Because it was because uh, I remember that Bucks Celtics series because it was Kyrie two years ago was on the Celtics where he was like waving people off because he got Giannis in the paint. I was like, okay, that makes no sense. Oh yeah, that's when, that's when that was when Milwaukee beat the, the Celtics, right? Yep. And that was when the Celtics won Game One, and Paul Pierce was like going to be a sweep it's going to be a sweep and then yep. milwaukee won all the games and it was the end of that yep that yeah. Was. yeah i guess i guess my high t- my hot take for you already is that ben simmons can shoot and he just and and there's like some weird psychological like experiment going on in the 76ers where it's like everybody says that he can't shoot so it's like weird he like doesn't want to shoot but like for from all intents and purposes every time he does shoot it in a game it pretty much goes in and when he shoots it in practice apparently he doesn't miss so like you know what i mean like that so like, then you gotta do it you gotta I know, do it like, i know there's like this weird like psychology thing where it's like everyone wants you to do something so he like doesn't do it. you know what? it's it's i don't know i just feel like it's so weird Ben Simmons is one of those guys that just needs to get out of a situation. That's just how that that's why I also yeah. love him so much. Like I think that once he goes to any team, he's going to be amazing. That's why I want him to be on my team. <laughs> you know yeah. that, that, that that's really uh, the end. I, of, I would love Ben Simmons on the Knicks. I yeah, don't think that, it's going to happen though. Yeah. Um, but let's move that, on to That's really yeah. I guess I guess uh, I guess like my I know you guys ranked them the same, but my second hot take would be that for the future the Rockets won this trade. I'm going to throw Indiana in on second. And I'm not being a hater. I'm, I'm throwing it not, and it's not only because Levert um, is the perfect fit, 
And maybe because you saved his life, but also because Oladipo was going to walk. So you, and there's no compensatory picks in the NBA. So, and nobody wants Oladipo because everyone know, knew, if I know he's going to walk, then the NBA GMs know he's going to walk. So for me, like, they actually won a little bit of that trade. And then Brooklyn, like, of course, like, they're a contender for the next three years. I'm, you know, I'm not poo-pooing them. I'm throwing them third. But they did throw away their future. And they didn't learn from their mistakes like Tatum and Brown, man. Imagine the Nets had Tatum and Brown right now, and then KD signed. Like, everything would be different. And Kyrie signed, mm-hmm. then they wouldn't have to trade everyone for Harden. Or, you know what I'm saying? Or things would just be a little bit right. different. Um, and then who cares about the Cavs? <laughs> but yeah, that's just my, uh, I guess that's just like my hot take about that. Um, but yeah, go, go ahead, Alex. Sorry. No, no, no. I, I was going to say, yeah. let's move on to the, the last thing, which is the Tuesday matchups uh, that you want to talk about for betting purposes. So let's hear them, John. Well, we got the Thunder Nuggets uh, game. The Thunder 76ers were supposed to play uh, tonight, Sunday, two days ago, if you're listening to this, um, but they got postponed. So tonight uh, we got Thunder Nuggets, maybe, <laughs> um, if COVID uh, allows. And then the night game will be Pelicans Jazz. I guess, my, I guess like Alex, you're, the, you're our Nuggets, uh, our resident Nuggets writer. So... Um, how, how, how do you feel about the Thunder Nuggets? I mean, personally, like, if the Nuggets don't win this game by double digits, I, did, I feel like they're going to be favored seven and a half at least here. Um, but, like, the Nuggets really need to start making some, uh, some, power, like, some power moves in games where they start scaring teams away. Because right now, when I see, when I see Denver on the schedule, I, I don't think teams should be worried. No, and they shouldn't be worried. Um, you know, I wrote about it recently for Hoops Habit. Nuggets' biggest issue is the, their bench. Um, they don't have any big depth outside of Jokic. Next one is Bobo, and they've been playing Bobo, but like, it's funny because I was like, they don't really rely on Bobo, and they're like, Bobo's starting tonight. I was like, all right, how many minutes is he getting tonight? And he got like 10 minutes. I was like, okay, so you're not really starting Bobo. It's just, this is, this is, he's going in for the tip. He's going in for the tip. It's like, okay, (laughs) 10 minutes, 10 minutes, like, we're really doing something here with Bobo. All right. Um, but yo, Jokic is having an MVP season. He's the engine of that team. He's the point guard of John, if we really want to say it. Um, Jamal Murray, you know, great effort uh, in the bubble. Came back down to earth. Is that oh, averaging like 30, 40 points is just ridiculous to maintain. No, Dude, no he's everything. He's everything I was scared of Van Fleet becoming. Is Jamal Murray? No, I like Jam- I like Jamal Murray. I think he. Can I was scared good. that like we I were th- gonna pay, we were gonna overpay for Frank, and he was just gonna become what we see from Jamal Murray now. Yeah, I'd rather have that in all honesty. Like, Fred Van Vliet is nowhere. We're not even talking about the same stratosphere between Fred Van Vliet and Jamal Murray. Like, Jamal Murray, another level. When he's on, when he's scoring, I'll take Jamal Murray any day. I think he did take that next step to be that guy. I think he is that guy. But he always has a slow start to the season. He starts to pick up halfway through. Um, And it's, look, they, they just finished in September and they're now playing again, or October, whenever it was. But, look, they have no big, they have no interior depth. Bench unit without Michael, and there's no Michael Porter Jr. I got a hot take for this. If, if not, any Nuggets fans listen to this, Michael Porter Jr. should be coming off the bench and not starting. Just because looking at the numbers alone, especially when we have a plus minus, Will Barton out in the starting lineup way better for defensive purposes than Michael Porter Jr., who's just a revolving door. But they should beat the Thunder. If they don't beat the Thunder, there's some alarms that has to come up because how real are they then? I don't think they're going to be that threat to go back to the Western Conference Final this year just because you have to go against whoever in the West. Like, Jokic, you can't leave Jokic. Jokic is, like, good offensively. Defense, he's, like, he's decent, he's solid, but he's not going to lock down guys. He gets into foul trouble. We saw with Anthony Davis and what any, any other big who's good 
like Rudy Gobert, it's going to be it's going to be an issue for him in the paint. Um, just guarding. Well, actually, no, it'd be easy for him to guard Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert doesn't really have that much offensive threat. Uh, but like someone like Anthony Davis, um, any other big, it'll be a nightmare. Um, for you. Yeah, so I, in that case, win. in that case, in that case, yeah, I, I do. I think the Nuggets should kill it, and I do think this is a complete prediction. Um, like the lines have not come out yet. I do think it'll be somewhere around like seven and a half ish. And if that's the case, I think Thunder might be a play because, like, I, I like the the Nuggets haven't been super impressive. I think they should be, and I'm waiting for that breakout game. But I, the, the the Thunder have been gritty, like playing some defense. Like they're mm-hmm. the kind of team they're the kind of team to to give the Nuggets a, a fit um, on Absolutely. the court and like and like kind of in a sneakily uh, way. Ari, do you have any thoughts on this game? Um. I mean, listen, the, you know, the Denver Nuggets should win this game at seven and a half, though. I'm taking the Thunder. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, that, that's, I, that's I, just a guess, actually. So, so actually, yeah. since we're here and, and you, you also uh, like to dabble, what do, you, uh, do you have like a prediction on this line? Or are you going to go seven and a half? I mean, I haven't been following it that, that much, but it, it sounds right. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe a little bit less. I mean, because I, I, if, I, if I would take it so easily, maybe it would be like, Five and a half. Six, five, five and a half, six, maybe. Um, But, you know, I do like the Shea Gillard. I think Shea Gillard's Alexander will do a decent job on Jamal Murray. Um, And, uh, you know, the Thunder six and six, and they haven't, like, I I thought they were done after Chris Paul left. So, you know, they obviously play hard. Um, They don't, and, you know, so, you know, I could see them keeping it close, but the Nuggets should win this game. Um, you're and the Nuggets are six and six. Also, they you know it's a seventy-two game. It's not an eighty-two game season. They gotta they gotta move. You know they're in the West. They gotta they need to win these games. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. there should already be a sense of urgency on Denver. But I I like Denver to win by like four or five. Yeah, that all sounds right. about right. Yeah, that sounds about okay. right. Okay, right. I think we're all on the same page there. Yeah, and, and I'll add this: <laughs> Philly didn't have their starters Embiid or. Ben Simmons, when they first matched up, it was the second unit with Tyrese Maxey leading the way. Um, and they kept it really close in the first half. And it was still pretty close towards the end. So, against the, against the Thunder, Nuggets don't really sure. play good defense. So, I, I can expect it to be a close one. Close one. Yeah, and we'll, we'll also get some more insight on uh, Denver today. Uh, because uh, Utah is playing Denver on Sunday. And uh, if you're listening to this podcast on Tuesday, we have the Pelicans Jazz. So we'll learn a little bit more about those two teams uh, tonight because uh, they're going up against each other, and it's the last game uh, before the Tuesday game. Um, so, so it'll be good to know. So we have you. So we have uh, the Pelicans at Utah tonight, uh, the same day as uh, Thunder Nuggets. If you're listening to this uh, pod, um, I mean, dude, the the Jazz, like you said, man, they've been disappointing. They 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 re-signed Mitchell and Gobert to really be their cornerstones like they're not rebuilding like they are they're all in technically right like by in all sense of the word and I just have no faith in this squad I don't know what happened to my boy Joe Ingles um, but he was such like an x-factor the last couple of years he's just like not they're just not very I don't know what it is about them man they just they don't really like uh they don't really do it for me. Maybe it's Mike Conley. Maybe I was expecting a lot out of him out there. Like I just don't know. Like what's Rubio doing? I, I don't know. I don't really love. I don't love the Jazz. Um, give me the Pelicans. They're very interesting to me. I love Lonzo there. Ingram, as you mentioned, All Star. Um, Zion is 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 getting back in shape, even though he got pinned by AD. That was such a nice block. Um, 
he, by the way, Zion is Julius Randle, but I, we don't have to talk about that. Um, I, 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 give me the Pelicans against the Jazz. I really, this game, we're going to kind of have to wait and see how they play tonight. But just on a whim, I don't have no idea how this line will be. Probably minus, minus two and a half or something. Jazz, nothing crazy. Um, give me the Pelicans. Do you guys have thoughts on this game? Um, yeah, so I'm looking at it right now. Um, you know, I would say probably the line would be maybe like Utah minus three. Um, you know, the, the Pelicans have lost five games in a row and the Jazz have won four games in a row. So they're coming in and did, you know, they're going to be different. They're coming in from different angles. Um, personally, I am with you. I, I did. Really did not like the, the Rudy Gobert signing. I don't know how you throw that much money at the, like, I understand he's defensive player of the year guy and he's very, that was val, very valuable team, but <laughs> now you really are. We're in win now mode and you're not even close. You're like, no one's even talking about them. You know, they're not in the same, like, little league as the, the, you know, the Lakers, the Nets, the, even, even the Nuggets, like, yeah, I didn't, you know, the Clippers. It's just mind boggling how they did that. However, I actually kind of do like the Utah Jazz against the Pelicans. I think Pelicans will, I think the Jazz are a very disciplined team. I think they play really good defense and I think they could take advantage of the Pelicans youth and experience and lack of defense. So if I were have to bet, I would take, I would take Utah to win. And if I had to take a bet, um, at let's say minus three, I would, I would take them to cover. I think they're going to win. Uh, and I like the Pelicans. I hope the Pelicans do win. I rather I, I like the Pelicans. I want them to win. But um, if I had to make a bet, I would I would take I would think Utah would win by like you know seven or eight points probably. That that would be me. All right, solid. And uh, just to wrap it up, I, I I'll go with uh, I'll go with Utah. And I mean, just to answer on uh, Ari's point, I mean they paid him because who the hell goes out to Utah to begin with, right? Like no one's going out to Utah. But I I agree. Two black dudes. Two black dudes. I'm gonna say it right now. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, no, hey man, like we know what it is. We know what it is out there. Um, <laughs> but so for Rudy, right? Like I agree with Ari. It was the stupidest thing. Like he asked for max money. I was like, that's comical. You're not worth max money. You can't even shoot outside the paint. Like what are you? What are we talking about here? But. I'm probably gonna go with Utah. Utah is gonna be Utah's gonna win this one. I the Pelicans are just like they're not there yet, so I'm gonna go with them. But I think that wraps it up for this. Ari, thank you for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Please let our listeners know where they can find you and if you have anything to plug them in. Yeah, um, thank you for having me. I love talking ball. Whenever you guys want to have me back on, I'm always down. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Ari underscore Michael underscore Rada, R-A-D-A. Um, you can also find, catch me on Knicks Fan TV, giving my spicy takes and um, causing a ruckus in the chat and moderating that. And um, uh, yeah, man, I, I, love, I, I love this conversation. It's always good talking ball. Alex, you know, we go way back. John, nice to meet you. Um, and um, let's hope this overtime Knicks Kings thing goes down, man. <laughs> let's do it. Oh, <laughs> For sure. Or, or a Randall trade. Or a Randall trade. Or, or a Randall trade. Or a Randall trade. Touche. That sounds good to me. Let's go. All right. I mean, honestly, ask Alex. Ask Al- All I do is I put things into the universe and just try to get them done. We got Salah that worked. We're working on Deshaun Watson and Ben Simmons right now, man. So we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're trying it out. We're trying it out. <laughs>
We're oh man, I, I, you guys are Jets fans, right? Oh god, that must be tough, man. You have no idea. Is it worse being a Jets fan than a Knicks fan? Yes. Wow. Yeah, 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 yes. yeah dude. Yes. <laughs> okay. At least with the Knicks, it's a long. Like I get that's a long season, um, but I don't know. Basketball is enjoyable. At least I can watch other teams. Like football. Like if your team's not doing well and you know, like it's such a, sh- it's so short. It's it's rough to keep going year in and year out. Like knowing you're losing like sixteen games. Yeah. And not it's fun. It's fun to watch individuals in NBA. Like we can get behind like some like Alonzo Trier and get all excited. Right. But you can't really get excited about like Denzel Mims if the team sucks. Got it. Tough. Like trying to enjoy a wide receiver not catch a ball because our quarterback is like struggling is very hard to get into. But, <laughs> but thank you again, Ari, for coming on. Uh, everyone, thank you again for tuning in for another episode of the Knicks Jets Etc. podcast. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Please make sure to give us a five star rating if you listen to on if you listen on Apple Podcasts. We're on all listening platforms. Also, please make sure to. Follow us on all social media platforms. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just find, just look us up at Nick's comma, Jets, comma, etc. ETC. Not the long one. That's it's wild. We'd never do anything like that. <laughs> so thank you all again. And tune in later this week for another Jets episode of this podcast. All right. Have a good one. Let's go Knicks, baby. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.